I really lost my name. Butterfick Weekly. You should not listen in a plane. You should not listen in a train. You should not listen in a car. You should not listen in a bar. You should not listen in a boat. You should not listen with a goat. For if you listen, you will see. You will laugh and shout with glee. But others around you may not share. They may even begin to stare. But take a chance and you will see. Better off you will be. Previously on Potterfic Weekly. And welcome back to Potterfic Weekly. This is Ryan. I'm Jen. I'm Lady Chi. And I'm Jen's mom. Hi, y'all. <laughs> How's it going? Oh my gosh, this is so exciting. We would never ever say Snape scathed. We would say Snape said scathingly. 640,000 years ago, that third of America blew up. Boys and girls, <laughs> there's a thing called erectile dysfunction. <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah, but there's also a thing called Petrificus Totalis. So Perfect right. Weekly, not only entertaining, but educational as well. <laughs> Who wants to see Hermione as a trial lawyer? As a tribal warrior? <laughs> I want to say that. Chief, like, please, I can't. Don't. You have to say only good things. I will cry if you say something negative about this scene. I love. I'm not going to say. Love I'm scene. not made of stone. I love how they plan to have sex at six. Yeah, six o'clock. I know. <laughs> My question was, when do they eat dinner? After picture, he's in the shower, and he's staring down, and he's just like, this is it. <laughs> he's having a little conversation with his friend. Today, I become a man. And then they go, is this happening? And he's like, yes. I don't think he said it like that. Oh, yes, he did. He gasped it I out. Think, I think all of his concentration is elsewhere at the moment. He's like, yes. No, that like completely ruined my mental manly image. Well, he's beating his chest. <laughs> he's ravaging her. Not, no, he's, he's not. not. Yes, he's a virgin. How many virgins can successfully ravage anybody? He's Harry Potter. Come on. He's a skinny, <laughs> awkward kid who we think has ED. No, no, no. We don't think that. You think that. Do you? own a pig. No, but I do have a goat. Really? We don't have a lawnmower. What's the goat's name? Bernard. Oh my god, I'm not gonna lie. I have to- I have no idea what's going on. Somebody explain to me what just happened. Have you been here the whole time? I've been here the whole time, but I can't remember what was just said. <laughs> oh, Vicodin. I love him, oh. and he's good, and we're gonna find out he's good, and, and there Jen. is gold at the end of the rainbow, darn it! So, and everybody just looks at me like I'm retarded, but I laugh, and it's hysterical <laughs> to me. Poor Bernard was struck and killed by a bolt of lightning. <laughs> okay, you guys are the ones who obviously laugh during people's funerals. I wore a really big hat. And I run after my car. <laughs> I've just finished taking a test on what's your seduction style. I have got to take that test. I don't know what that noise was that came out of Gambin's mouth. But I think it caused some women in the audience to become infertile. Oh, I love the social intercourse so varied. It gets me so excited for the guy I married. This is like the Manhattan Project. Superman is Moses. Honestly, don't you people read? Okay. Oh, the two Superman is not Moses. Moses is dependent on Aaron. See, Batman depends on Robin. If you're going to do Moses, the guy that was lost in the Moses. desert for like 40 years, that just okay. got fire confidence and crime fighting ability. There's like auditoriums with movies that you can go in and sit and watch, not while on the toilet. There's no way we have wank. We don't care enough about the fans of to have wank. For the God, Ryan, if you ever, ever, ever make me cover a story with butt sex babies, I will kill you. Jen got pregnant on a boat. You know how hard it would be to impregnate yourself on a boat? 
Don't take offense to this, guys, but you guys are the most dysfunctional people. <laughs> these are really stupid people. Like, I have a lot to learn from these people. And Jen's like, yeah, I like looking at female butts more, too. So what? Women are beautiful. Doesn't make me gay. <laughs> sorry. I'm so sorry. Oh, come here. I'm so sorry. Come here. <laughs> I just I just kicked my dog in the head. And now, Potterfick Weekly. For Monday, September 1st, 2008, this is finally episode 56 of Potterfick Weekly. Welcome to the place where the story never ends. be again a podcast quite like this one that brought us together and started its own forum list where the hosts are all our friends all the stories told by Jen Will it drive Ryan round the bend? Part of it weekly, where the story never ends. Mm-hmm. And welcome back to Part of it weekly. This is Ryan. I am Jen. I'm Kesa. This is Aaron. And I'm Shiny. We are going to jump back into the chapters this week. We have a lot we want to get. Oh, let me f- first say this. Anyone has a pipe exploded? Anything? Anything? Um, no. Jen, you've had a boring week? Oh, were I you did. almost a poor? I did yesterday. Oh, no, I had a money-making weekend, remember? Oh, yeah, you made like $25,000 in the weekend. I did good this weekend. That's, well, Jen's dude, that's nice. Too, so. Thank you. I know. I'm so <laughs> excited. I got to interview a crazy person at work. That was kind of fun. I work at a public defender's office, and I do interviews with uh, uh, new clients. And uh, one of the people this week was a schizophrenic lady. And uh, when she was arrested, she yelled at the police, I'm a rattlesnake. I'm a effing kill you. And, it was, <laughs> and so you, you sit there in the room, and you have to read this backward for words, though. I'm sitting there like, mm-hmm. and then you told, and then, then the suspect told the police, I'm a rattlesnake. I'm going <laughs> to kill you. <laughs> you say it just like that. It's, uh, it's pretty I nice. so like job. How fun. I would be a great interviewer. Oh, that's, not well, even, that's, that's not even the best part. She she kept talking to somebody else in the room while the convers- while the interview was going on, and then about halfway through, she claimed there was a vampire just sitting there. And sounds like my kind of girl. You should have acted like, out what she did <laughs> and like used voices. <laughs> well, it's like when I'm listening to my um, my old text reader that the voice was very monotone and it reads my fan fictions to me on my part, and then. It was the time I asked Chi if she had any recommendations for new fix, and she gave me one, and I put it on. I'm literally two chapters into the thing, or two paragraphs into the first chapter. Ron took Hermione and grabbed her breasts. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> like, I felt like my grandfather was reading me porn. Like, that's all I could describe. And I'm like, it was very graphic. I can't, like, I can't imagine that's a good way to listen to us much. I know. That's it. From now on, I'm going to, like, voice record your chapters and then get well, I would like that. Wouldn't everyone love fan fiction from Jen? Because she would put yes. like, her own thoughts into it. <laughs> Jen, that's what I want for Christmas. Like, I'll give you, like, the longest fic ever. Just do it over three years or something. Oh, I could do a, a Psychic Serpent or something. That'd be cool. 
Oh, God. It's only a trilogy. Then Hermione and her hot body got on that long. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, baby Hermione, I want some of that. Mm Mm-hmm. I, I was listening to old Spellcast episodes and I came across the one where they read a chapter from the Psychic Serpent. It is the chapter where Hermione's, and I think she was sunbathing or something. Yeah. <laughs> and then Harry looks at his sna- pet snake. What should I do? His pet snake. <laughs> uh, Captain Duplon Tondra. Awesome. Oh, I love it. <laughs> I want to put that actually on the podcast just because I think it would be a really fun podcast. <laughs> the story itself was campy, but parts of it I really liked. I actually want to put it on the podcast just because I think we would laugh our asses off for me. <laughs> Absolutely. No more than this thing, I think. Barb <laughs> is listening right now, and she's like, oh, crap. They found me. <laughs> they found me. <laughs> All right, let's get... <laughs> All right, let's... <laughs> Alright, let's get to the chapters this week, because I have many thoughts. Now, many things jumped out at me in these chapters. Now, I have my... Keza and I have our notes live on the little screen here, and I should actually put these notes, like, out with the actual episode. You themselves. really like, should. You have I should. You know, I'll make our notes available somewhere. Visit parfictweekly.com if you got this off iTunes. You should put it when you post out. the episode. Say, here's the episode, and here's my notes. I'll do that. <laughs> and all I can tell you is, like, I either loved it, I either thought it was campy, or I thought it was the funniest thing I've ever read. Only one scene got me so angry, I had to, like, take a walk around the office. I'm like, God damn it! And everyone's like, ooh, okay. (laughs) It's fan fiction gone wrong! (laughs) Guess what scene that was. We're not there yet. Let's start chapter 11 while things are still happy. Or we can start chapter 10 where where we actually started reading for the evening. (laughs) Oh, true. Chapter 10, well... I knew that. My page just wasn't there. (laughs) All right. Now, I just want to say one thing. During last week's podcast, my major issue with the fic going forward, and this is my first Harry Hermione fic, was I I just realized I'm like Italian. I'm talking with my hands. I wish you could see me right now. (laughs) Is that I got the fact that, just to recap, that this Hermione and this Harry are the same characters from Prisoner of Azkaban who had very different years, four, five, six and seven, they lost Ron, they lived together for years, and they became the type, they became like Will and Grace, but without the gayness, really. <laughs> and, you know, he would shower while she would brush her teeth, and they would, you, you, you know, spit out their toothpaste at the same time, and they, he would buy her pads, and they just had this very plutonic, <laughs> if they have them. I have plutonic. Very, plutonic. <laughs> plutonic. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> And they had yes, this Hermione very... was a oh, cartoon dog. <laughs> I was damn close on that one. But anyway, I just thought that you know that they had this type of really good girlfriend, guy friend kind of you know come here and gives her like you know like like. Is that reason Conan saying that? <laughs> uh, so that's just what. So I'm picturing you know, and he he like does like kind of like the back slap thing, and he like rubs her elbow <laughs> and all. This. So they had that type of relationship, and then you know maybe as a result of all of that time together, they never got in the canon. They developed a love that now that I I could see. My issue with it was when Hermione said, "If Ron had lived, I still would have left him." And she thought this after she slept with Harry, then ran over and got Ron's picture off the. Uh, well, she has to justify it to herself a little bit. But I don't think it's that, though. I really think she honestly believes... So my thing reading this is, okay, apparently, according to this, they were always going to be Harmonians 
anyway, but they became Harmonians at 25 because Ron died when they were 16 and they needed nine years of mourning, which didn't really make sense to me. And I wasn't sure what was really happening. So then, so that was what I lamented on last week. Then about three paragraphs into the chapters this week, Harry sits down and says, what's up with this? And Hermione sits down and says, what's up with this? And they literally break the whole thing down for me, like four chapters into this week's podcast. So I have to feel like I wasted a lot of your time last week. I apologize. Now, my thought, now when I read it, I was like, okay, you know what? Ron just wouldn't have worked out you know, for whatever reason, and it was always going to be Harry. Okay, at least it's part of the story. But the more I read it, the more I'm like, I don't see why yet. So I still, as of this week, well, I think it's very well written. That's just, the, I almost have to make them like alternate characters in my head because it's difficult for me to, to rationalize why these characters got together, although I'm sure within the next 10 minutes, I'm going to work it out of my brain and I'm going to... Well, I think they don't, they don't ever tell that. I mean, that's just sort of like, I mean, you date people, and sometimes that person just isn't right for you, and I don't know. Well, yeah, I've, I've I mean, seen it you explained. You why, but why not? I've, yeah, I mean, I'm sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I've seen it explained in other fics, and I think this is, you know, could be part of it is that, you know, Ron, a lot of Ron and Hermione's relationship is about arguing, and if it's not just them, you know, it's not just foreplay for their relationship. If they're just, you know, they just don't, they don't get along all the time, then, you know, that can be, that can poison a relationship a lot. And, Maybe uh, sex just wasn't as good. <laughs> they were well, he, he died hours later, so. <laughs> <laughs> and then on the 10 year anniversary, they went back and had sex. No, so I'm it's talking like, about if Ron had not, lived. not there yet. Maybe like sex ev- is only good for so long. You know what I think? I think they should go back every year and have sex on the spot of Ron's murder. <laughs> I think that would be very oh, nice. I know. Uh, it was, I was very angry. Creepy. I was very, I was very angry about that. I believe WTFs are flying uh, every year. I, I called Jen. I like woke her up. I'm like, I don't care if you're pregnant. I'm very upset. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right, but um, I will say this. Let me put a little asterisk next to this here. I can't picture. Canon Harry and Canon Hermione. I can picture them being curious. I can picture them dating. I can picture them kissing. I can picture them exploring that. I can't picture them as soulmates without mm. knowing more. But one of the here's the thing. One of the beauties of this fic is number one. It leaves. Well, now I guess Goblet was canon, but it leaves us really three, two, three full years of really different things happening in the canon world that maybe justify you know maybe they had a moment in their fifth year where something happened and they were like locked in a broom shed for an entire weekend because everyone left the school and they didn't have the key or whatever and they bonded and they you know it was cold so they wrapped themselves in Harry's cloak and they sat like I don't know what the hell happened they were in the middle of a blizzard and they had to warm each other up you know okay you read you read Barb's trilogy and you know what I'm talking about he thinks he can get things by me it's like my intercept but and, and Jen forgets what we're talking about. Laughing at I know. I'm like, <laughs> I'm just tossing these softballs there. Harry and Ginny trapped in the Quidditch. It was, as I recall, it was the scene from Barb's trilogy. It's like Harry and Ginny are in like the Quidditch changing room, and they go. They're, they're all by themselves, and there's a lot of sexual tension. And they go to walk back up to the school, but the freak blizzard like emerged from nowhere and trapped them. <laughs> and they're like, oh. We're going to have to spend the weekend because it flew up. So. I've read a Ron and Hermione where they get stuck at Hagrid's head or something. Yeah, you know, we just did that for Peoncast. Episode 14. Very interesting <laughs> podcast. Edited by me. 
Who was in that podcast? Mike. Oh Tina. God, that's all I was. That's all I was looking for. Stop right there. It's the one where we talk about first kisses. Oh God. It has We're been just... heavily edited, just so you know. <laughs> questionable content from. I've heard your questionable content, and so has everyone over the age of 18. People are sick. Hey, Tina brought it up, not me. (laughs) Tina is like the sickest one of you all. Tina, like everyone's like, oh, look. There is no way Tina is the sickest one. I've met Tina. It's all Tina. (laughs) Is it really? All my illusions have been shattered now. (laughs) Tina's a Care Bear. I was uh, innocently imitating a male. That is all I was doing. (laughs) Tina was the ring. (laughs) Tina yeah, I'm was sure. the one who brings up things that should not. Yes, and I'm sure you learned that. Public. I'm sure you learned that language from your son, Keza. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, ba- that's right. Back to the okay. So back to the fact. So my last thing is, if Harry and Hermione, you know, maybe they spent the weekend in the in the Quidditch locker room, or maybe something happened. I mean, even in Deathly Hallows, they spent like four months together. They could have been getting it on every night, for all I know. Maybe Joe left that part out because of content reasons. But you know what? I I don't know, but I'm willing to believe that something happened in those years that you know maybe Ron was just like in hyper ass mode all fifth year, and that ruined the. Rel- I don't know, but I'm the the beauty of this fic is I can believe a lot of stuff happened in there. Plus, it was written at such an early stage. This fic is like seven years old. It was written so long ago that anytime something happens in the fic that just doesn't seem right, I'm like, oh, it's the original fan fiction. Yeah. Lori didn't know not to do that. So it's kind of so it's it's literally like it's like watching an old movie. It's like if you watch classic Star Trek, you can't complain about the special effects. <sighs> so even bad special effects at the time, you can't complain because oh, it's forty years old. So that so the fic has a lot going for it there. Well, it's even before the uh, the big run blow up in the uh, Goblet of Fire when you know which is a lot which is a big schism as far as their relation as Harry and Ron's relationship goes anyway. Before that, uh, when the, he gets picked for the fourth champion, even that's missing. Exactly, and I like how um, what was it was where was it? It was within chapters eleven and twelve, I think, when yeah. Goblet was released. Yeah, and then they start being like, Moody references and uh, uh, Cedric references and stuff like that. It's all the exposition. It's like, what are the ors and how do they compare? To- <laughs> because it's just like, oh crap, they have a whole other police force out there. <laughs> yeah, that kind of didn't work well. I like that she was original. Like, I actually like that it's not everything from canon because I think this is what makes creativity and reading fun. That was nice. That was like a little bumper sticker right there. It's like reading rainbow coming to I know. Reading rainbow. I was told if I get Rachel talking, she'll never stop. Talk. Is that supposed to be a hint to talk? Talk. I think that was a hint for you to talk for the next hour. All right, Rachel, jump us off tonight. Okay. The thing that stood out at me the most at the beginning of Chapter 10 is her, like, miniature spell compodium. Because Mm -hmm. that's so Hermione. She's going off to save Harry, and she takes a book. I think she already knows. I love that. I've always wondered, though, when they do make them small, does it also take away the weight? They talk about featherweight charms. I don't know if that's a canon or a Okay, I don't... Maybe, yeah, I think you're right. I've always wondered, like, yeah, it's really small, but you're still, like, lugging it around. Yeah. Well, physics majors everywhere would probably be screaming (laughs) at your rolling, but, yeah, it's like, can you picture that bag she had in Deathly Hallows if it takes, like, three of them to lift it? I mean, you really couldn't. I mean, there has to be some type of... Can we go along when I read that? Was like, why didn't... Because she gets out the magnifying glass. It was looking at it. I'm like, why didn't she just enlarge it? 
<laughs> it was because magnifying glasses are fun. She's got Madame Bones' is like a little monocle thing there, and she's like squinting like she's checking the size of a diamond. Oh, and magnifying glasses are multi. Like how they show in the movies with the big eye. You know, I'm yeah. I'm, I'm imagining that she's got this big eye. Glasses. She looks like she looks like Moody in one eye. She's glaring at the. <laughs> Oh, I like that. <laughs> chapter 11 and the owl is my favorite. Okay, can you go back to chapter 10? Did you have, like, some kind of allergic reaction to chapter 10? Well, chapter 10, to me, this is, like, sets up everything that happens. Well, allow me to walk you through it quickly. Okay. We have, we have Lori's rationalization for Harmonians everywhere. We have Hermione leaving to get... Now, you can picture Hermione. She's like, I must go get Harry. I must have him. He is mine. I almost just scared. I almost just beat the crap out of Joe over him. Everyone back away from me. So she goes and she gets you know like her tent, and she gets you know like her matching luggage, and she goes down and she's got like a little safari hat on, and she's going after Harry. And my favorite part is that George made her a brown bag lunch. George is a very good house husband. There is here's some frozen soup. <laughs> Take the frozen <laughs> soup with you. I need George in my house. Oh, you have your own, <laughs> own gourmet wizard chef. No downsides to that, right? I don't know what half the stuff he makes is, but I think it'd be pretty cool. And you know, if you see something you shouldn't, he can just give uh, Justin a significant glance, and you won't even remember that he is anymore. (laughs) You You won't remember he like it. (laughs) This is my prediction about what happened here. I think that George gave, you know, Justin a significant glance, and he memory charmed Harry. Then he gave Justin... A memory, uh, you know, a significant glance, and he memory charmed Ginny. And then he gave <laughs> Justin a third significant glance, and Justin didn't stop and turn. He didn't do a memory charm. He just kept staring at George, and George is like, "What's going on?" So he he intensified the significant glance, and Justin intensified the significant glance back. And all of a sudden, in the background, you hear, "Turn around." <laughs> Turn around Every now and then I get a little bit lonely And you're never coming around Turn around Every now and then I get a little bit tired Of listening to the sound of my tears And the and a romance was born Exactly, that's what I think happened there Oh Turn around the only, the only line of that song I know is turn around I'm like turn around I always remember it from High Fidelity When he throws in the F word periodically So okay George is like the straightest Cook ever <laughs> He's Alice from the In every scene he's wearing the blue apron the blue you know made outfit with the matching white apron like it's just it's it's not good so anyway so Hermione leaves the house and the scene was actually funny because when Cho left they all stood on like the front veranda oh by the way last week we're talking about the veranda and Mm. Keza inserts herself into the podcast to point out that veranda is like the front thing that goes around the side of the house and she has one in these chapters they reference the rear veranda you know what that I, means? There's more than one <laughs> veranda. I have a veranda. veranda. A I have one. Okay. It's, no, it's bigger than a porch. It's bigger yes. than a porch. It goes all the way along the whole side of the house. And I have a rear veranda. I do not currently have a front veranda. However, my parents have a rear veranda and a front veranda. We have porches mm-hmm. here in the south that go all the way around your house. Yeah. Uh, a wraparound that, porch. Yeah. So they call it a veranda in other parts of the world. <laughs> what do they call it in the north? What do they call it 
It's not a porch. It's a veranda. <laughs> well, it'd be a veranda, but like four There's people have them for it too. And I didn't know a what deck, that word was. A deck, a patio, a portico. Uh, um, Maybe that was it. I don't know. There's too many words for I the damn port- portico. <laughs> All right, so anyway, when Cho leaves in the early chapters, they all go out onto the forward veranda, the one near the secondary guard tower. And Joe's leaving the veranda. Yes, well, that one was closed on weekends for structural repairs. (laughs) So they're all standing there, and they're all waving, bye, Cho, bye, we'll miss you, okay, is is the bitch gone? Okay, good, everyone back in the house. Now we're back in the house. It's like Hermione leaves, and it's like the scene from Mary Poppins where she's doing, like, you know, like, as she's gathering her things, she's singing a melody. And as she leaves, it's like she shuts the door, and they all stay in the house. (laughs) I'll I'll walk myself out. So she walks to her car. I don't care about her. And she and gets then, in her car. Then she, she steals Harry's her- car. <laughs> well, she steals Harry's car. And I love it. She gets in Harry's car. It's his now, Jeep. Harry- in his Jeep. Now, here's the thing. He is the head spy of the world. He is the he is the top <laughs> spy. And she's like, where? Where would he keep his keys? Oh, good. They're in the visor. All right, let's go. <laughs> <laughs> well, how many wizards know how to drive a Jeep? Everyone. George was killed in a car accident. <laughs> <laughs> Gerald, George, Gerald, George is still alive, cooking frozen soup. George has no time to drive a car; he has to cook all the time. (laughs) He's staring at he's staring at Justin's pecs all morning. Turn around, turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit lonely, and you're never coming around. Turn around. Every now and then I get a little bit tired of listening to the sound of my tears. All right, so can I just point out here? Let's think about this. So Hermione, she is searching for for Gerald, and I forget. I think it was the back of the it was back of the house before she left. Like a random like owl came in and like smashed her in the head, and she fell over. And she woke up, and there was a note inside that said the name of of Gerald's employer. And wait, is this where? I was talking about in chapter 11 where Hedwig visits her in the Jeep. In the car. Was it Hedwig? No, here's my question. Did Hedwig deliver the note? He, she did. Which he, is did. Strange. he did. That, he did. He, she, it, it's alive. That's all we care about. We don't care what organs it has. We just, it's alive. Now, that was weird because I'm like, why is Harry sending the notes? And then it turns out that Gerald sent the notes or Draco sent the notes. I'm like, why is Draco using Hedwig? And how did he get her to, to begin with? Because don't you have to send a reply with an owl, have to get a, a message from the well, owl first? If Gerald, it, you've just spoiled it, because if, it's, if, he's, if he's being Gerald, then mm-hmm. Hedwig would know Gerald from being yeah. in the house. So Hedwig well, would trust. like the only smart owl. But how did Gerald get Hedwig to send the... Hermione's up in her suite in the mansion, and Gerald's down in his, you know, apartment with the little microwave. And he, how does he get Hermione? Like, did he just hang on to Hermione from last month's visit on the off chance? Hedwig, you know? Hedwig. 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 What did I say? Again, you're getting your H and G names mixed up here, right? <laughs> what did I just say a minute ago? I'm all confused. You said Hermione. Oh, for the love of God. Can I tell you, some people listen to the podcast without reading the fic because they just find us hysterical. They're going to have no effing idea what's going on. Uh, yeah, it does raise the question how Gerald got a hold of Hedwig. It's like, there are other owls. He could have used a different one. Well, but that's bad writing because then I'm like, why is Harry sending her these secret messages? 
And then Hedwig comes again and delivers the note to Quinn. And Quinn's like, oh, Hermione, it's for you. And it's the second note telling them to go to the Abbey. And it was really Draco writing to his girlfriend. And she's like, oh, it's re-. Like, why? Like, is Hedwig on the free market now? Is Like, I, I didn't understand. That was a little confusing, but... I'm past that. So this is what I thought was funny. You know, Hermione's driving and she's singing and she's doing a little number and, you know, Hedwig flies in, like smashes into her face. She crashes the car. No, just kidding. It happened back at the mansion. But she gets the note saying, you know, Gerald's employer. And she's like, oh, crap. I still have a boyfriend. I forgot. I just had sex with Harry for seven hours. So she drives to Gerald's place of work. Now, I want you to picture that you're at the co- that you work in an office, okay? And picture one of your coworkers died inexplicably in a car accident a year ago. I can't visualize this. This is too morbid. Now, someone comes in asking to speak to that person, okay? And the the reaction isn't, "Oh, I'm so sorry." You would think the person hasn't seen them in a year or something. You would just th- you, you know what I mean? You would think that they haven't heard the news and you have to break the news that their friend has died. The the reaction is Gerald? No Gerald works here. Who the hell are you talking <laughs> Gerald? And they're like, well, there's a Gerald that worked here a year ago. He's dead. Like, why would you do that? Like, do you not think that maybe this person just hasn't heard the news? Like, that to me just seems a little peculiar. The, there's yeah. a lot of peculiarity around uh, the Gerald, uh, Hermione, when it comes to Gerald and Hermione in this fic. But we haven't come to the dun-dun-dun moment yet. Nope. Well, that was the dun we haven't come to the dumb, dumb, dumb moment yet. But my thing is, I think, you know, Gerald, God rest his soul, his former co-workers were just asses. They're like, oh, he's dead. He was well, he was probably that guy, you know, that nobody really likes in the office. They were just, you know, guy. secretly happy. That they were- Can I just tell you, um, in the office where I work in, we deal with a lot of other departments and agencies. And one, and one of my co-workers called this other agency saying, oh, I need to speak to Bill Smith. And actually, let's make it a different name. I need to speak to Bill Eisenberg. Oh, I'm sorry. Bill Eisenberg is gone. Oh, I'm, I'm so now I would think, you know, maybe he's retired. Maybe, you know, he's gone to another agency or something. So my coworker sends out an email to our entire office saying, you know, Todd Jacobson has replaced Bill Eisenberg, who is dead. <laughs> And sends the email out. Yeah, because she just just assumed it meant dead. And then one of my other coworkers sends a reply back saying, oh, my God, I went to college with him. He was my roommate junior year. He's dead? How did – I am heartbroken over this. The guy wasn't wasn't dead. So (laughs) – but we couldn't contact, like, the grieving friend for, like, the entire – he turned his cell phone off. We thought he was, like, jump (laughs) off the cliff. I'm like, you need to fix this. You need to – That's awful. And she felt terrible. I'm like, why the hell would you say he was? I thought she said, "What a poor." She's like, I, I. But the funny thing was, we were picturing Eisenberg's at his house with his wife celebrating his retirement or whatever, and like, you know, my coworker would show up at the front door with like his hair plastered and gel with flowers <laughs> for the widow who he's always been like, and like break up a marriage or something, kiss him. But yeah, I mean, like these people need some tact. Like, oh yeah, he's dead. It's <laughs> artless. Come on, I don't know. I just thought that was awful. All right, that's all. That's all I have on the Gerald situation for now, well, or the George they situation. Say it quite like that. I mean, he appears very uncomfortable, and he glances to the receptionist. I mean, it wasn't like <laughs> he's dead. Bye. <laughs> no, the receptionist is like who? I just okay, love that I, they keep photos of him around. <laughs> like he obviously was. They cared about him enough to keep his Quidditch photo. Like but no one else knows who he is. Who? <laughs> who? Well. 
if you've ever worked in an office, some, a large office, sometimes stuff gets left around for quite some time. I know we have pictures of our softball team from like seven or eight years ago still sitting on a bulletin board in our, our office. But, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, that, that was my only concern with, with that situation. The other thing I want to say is I love the fact that Remus is sending Harry hourly progress reports. They come by Owl. Do you imagine they're like, what, what's the Owl's name? It's Persephone or something? Yeah, like that? that's right. Yeah. Persephone's like, okay, going back for more, flying back to the, flying. And like all she must be doing is just flying. Like I want, oh, every, is, I want a, updates every twenty minutes. It's military. a super owl. I mean, it can go. It can be, become invisible. So you know, it's like super military owl. grade owl. Apparently, he couldn't just send the bubble. That apparently, would be it's a, a brief. It's a bubble. Bubble. I thought it was a bubble. It's a bubble. Bubble bubble. It's a bubble bubble. 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 I thought it was a bubble. Bubble bubble. Is it a bubble or is it the bubble? It's a bubble. It's a bubble bubble. It's a bubble bubble. It's a bu- oh, I'm just going to stop talking to you people now because now you're going to piss me off. It's All not right, a bubble. Other- it's a bubble. All, All right. right. All right, Jen, thanks for playing. Keza, what did you like in Chapter 10? In Chapter 10, I remember reading it, but I cannot see it on my notes. <laughs> I'm very confused by oh, myself. No. I appear to have started the notes at Chapter 11, but I remember all that stuff from Chapter 10, so I'm, I read it. I just <laughs> I don't have any notes from Chapter 10. The only other, I guess I do have something to add. My husband just came up to tell me this, and this is so very Potterfic Weekly that, like, I'm real. I'm like part of the crowd now because there's apparently a severe thunderstorm warning heading our way. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm reading the. I'm like, so I'm like, I thought he was joking because he likes to pull my leg. So I look up the Bureau Bureau of Meteorology, the weather people. And there is a severe weather warning for damaging winds, and we've been advised to stay indoors away from the windows. And I'm like, like now? <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just like, I'm a real Pufflonian now. I'm podcasting, and it's about to like be weather. <laughs> well, J- Jen can't talk about the weather because Jen's like, oh god, it's a tornado. But I can't. No, get off. I can't. I was in a hurricane yesterday. <laughs> no, this. Uh, oh, yeah, did Dolly come through? Awesome. Yeah, I did. Yep. Oh. No, I meant the time that you wouldn't let me call you on your cell phone from the shelter because you didn't want to use your minutes because James yelled at you for going over on your minutes. <laughs> he did. He did. Aww. <laughs> I know. Me no husband. One of these right. days I'll end up being in a hurricane, too. Living in. Yeah. We can only hope, Aaron. I mean, you're in Florida. I mean, it's only a matter of time. Hey, yeah, they, they, the rain. I'm not complaining. Uh, All right. The last thing I want to say about Chapter 10, Harry and Hermione have the most F-upped, exes ever you know harry has sex with his ex and she becomes like you know ultra evil scary <laughs> terrorist chick and hermione's boyfriend apparently you know died a year ago but arranges parties with extras just to fool <laughs> her for sex like, <laughs> That's th- then, then i'm thinking to myself okay they're plutonic in the canon yes plutonic they're plutonic in the canon <laughs> And, and and they're you know no sign of any attraction, but in this universe they both just dated crazy people. And now they're like they can't wait to sleep with each other. I'm like, hmm, possible reasons for the harmonious. <laughs> they're the only normal people in existence. All right, can we talk about the, uh, Harry's dream? You know, besides the fact that they both look at clouds and think they look like Prince Charles, can no, we talk about? I, I thought I, they were I, looking at cracks <laughs> in the ceiling. Was the crack? No, Harry was looking at cracks in the ceiling, and was Hermione looking at the cloud? I can't I'm remember. not sure. No, they were looking at cracks in the ceiling. Was it both of them? I don't know. They, they, I just remember looking up, and that one looks like Prince Charles. But can we please talk about the dream that Harry has about his father in the Gryffindor common room? 
Because this is the strangest dream I've read in a fan fiction it is a ever. Weird. Yep. All right, can we just... Okay, now... Uh, t- he, he, look, he thinks it's Tony Blair. The cracks in the ceiling look like Tony Blair, and Hermione thinks they look like Prince Charles. Oh. Well, they're both political. And she's so that's right. because it's winter, or she's a what? vampire. Who's a vampire? No, I'm joking. She says... They go, you're pale. And she goes, it's winter. (laughs) (laughs) Harry, this is, I'm just reading from my notes. Harry dreams of his 40-year-old parents. Harry was apparently raised by elves. Hermione and Lily are best friends forever. James, Lily, and Hermione turn to smoke. Harry is frustrated that James is not there to hug him in that backslapping way that men hug each other and compares his lingering anger at not having parents to someone who won't stop sleeping on your couch. Like, it was just the most oddly worded dream I've ever read. Was it trying to portray just a really weird dream where nothing makes sense? I think so. Yeah, I got <laughs> Why the impression. Why was I Who helped I you? The, the elves helped me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm like trying to figure this out. I'm like, I gra- then, well, then it's like I graduated ten thousand years ago. I'm like that stupid sound recorder. Five minutes ago, I had fifty agents. Where's fifty Asians? I'm slapping the thing trying to work. I was raised by the elves. I'm like. What the hell is this? Lord of the Rings? Like, I'm trying to make sense out of this. I mean, absolutely no sense. I'm like, well, either it's supposed to be like, you know, like a weird kind of, you know, artistic, independent film thing, or Laurie was drunk. I think it's just a dream. <laughs> I think it's a weird artistic. <laughs> I, with hope so. I think she was trying to portray a dream that was both, you know, there was some meaning behind it, but also it had random, you know, elements of a dream in there. And obviously... Harry didn't graduate 10,000 years ago, so why would he say that? I mean, Especially since Hogwarts is only 150 years ex- old. Ex- exactly. So, you know, you got uh, that problem. But uh... I heard thunder. Oh, God. Kezin. Oh, no. Are you looking in front of the window? <laughs> no. If there's lightning, you should turn off your computer. Um, I'm all right. <laughs> ri- Kezin doesn't want to be left I'm, out. <laughs> I'll risk I'm a harm- I'm a harmonian. I'll risk it. <laughs> Kezza, so not I a can harmonian. live on the edge now. <laughs> <laughs> if we have your funeral episode next week, I'm going to be very upset. Oh, that would be very bad. <laughs> da, da, da. Insert the theme song of Australia here. The, I don't know. Is it wrong that I just thought that the first thing I thought when we heard Kaz's funeral next week was that who's going to finish rebuilding life? <laughs> You're worried about the fate of my fic. I'm sorry, Kessa. <laughs> I'm dead. That's all you can think about. Who's going to finish the story? Someone think of the story. I'll send Mr. Kezer an email. Deeply sorry about your loss. Your late wife was working on two of my podcasts. Are you able to send me her work? She, put a lot. she, would, she wouldn't sorry, want Kezer. that to be forgotten. Well, James is author. James read the, that series about the time thing, and that author died. Oh, oh The Wheel of Time. I'm, I read that, too. Yeah, and he died before he finished the last book. Luckily, he gave someone in the notes. Yeah, he's got plenty of notes. That'll be out next year. James, like we talking so James is not worry. From uh, yeah. Living with Danger, there's like a there's a chain of command. In case she's ever, <laughs> ever killed or incapacitated, there's people who know how the story's supposed to end. Supposed to <laughs> well, you know, that's, that's, you know, good author paranoia, I suppose. But uh, Exactly. Okay, Ra- a- Rachel. A- Rachel, I- we're bringing you out of your shell. Rachel. Well, I think that the dreams are her way of showing how stressed uh, Harry really is right now. Because she can't just come out and say, oh, my God, Harry's on the edge. It has to be shown. And I think, you know, when you're in a bad place, your dreams are different. And I think that's what was going on here. Well, you know what I think it needed? I think it needed something like a little bit. Because you know what it was? It, it was coming out that I thought it was typos. 
like ten thousand years. <laughs> like, like I'm trying. Like it would have been great if, like, during that scene, you know, Ron walked in the room with like one of those like yellow traffic cones on his head. Hey, Harry, and just walked. <laughs> exactly. Like, <laughs> Something really random, like a guy in a fish costume, or uh, why did you uh, have sex on my grave? <laughs> <laughs> that Can hasn't happened you? yet. Oh no! Oh my god! But it, it wasn't. No, I think that this is so important because. I think Harry, like, it doesn't ever hit him very much that he doesn't have parents until those moments where you really want your parents. Like, hi, this is the girl who I love and I want to spend the rest of my life with. And, like, he realizes that she'll never meet his parents. And, like, that, I think those moments hit him harder. And so I think this is a good way of showing that kind of feeling around that kind of moment. I am in the mock two of the lines that were used to do that. You, you know, like, I needed a father to hold me in that way that guys do when they kind of backslap each other, pretending to hug. And, you know, like, I just, I just thought the descriptions of what it's like to have a dad were just kind of funny, especially since he essentially had Arthur Weasley and Albus Dumbledore for that role. But I, I, I definitely uh, like the sentiment. I can't say Dumbledore. <laughs> 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 no, can you picture it's like two guys and they walk up and they kind of do like the back, okay, I touched you, that's what that's your name. Dumbledore. <laughs> well, now I just think of Dumbledore giving Harry a longing look, and then Justin. <laughs> <laughs> I'm definitely picturing Justin, though, as the Haitian from Heroes in the background. I bring him in. Only instead of like stoic, he's sparkly. With no shirt on, with his pecs, like, you know, just like, you know, he's like flexing them. With his prominent chin, like he had from Chamber of Secrets, the movie. But it's grown, he's older. But, um. <laughs> <laughs> and then Hermione's dreaming, and it's like that Star Trek episode where she can't reach REM sleep, and her eyelids are just, like, twitching. <laughs> and she has a dream that she sees Harry on the beach, and isn't this wonderful? And, you know, unfortunately, she stabs him in the heart over Ron's grave. <laughs> and then his son is putting, like, flowers in the grave. Everyone's crying. Harry's pissed. I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> Why did she dream that? You are sick, Hermione. Sick. This fig does not respect grave sites as a place no, of quiet remembrance. <laughs> They're either the sites of additional murders. No, okay. When Hermione and Harry have sex where Ron died, that's not his... It's not like they're hanging onto the gravestone. I mean, it's not... <laughs> it's oh, God. sick. It's sick. It's sick. You don't do oh, that. Anyone who's saying Buffy just isn't bothered by sex and grave. And they're rolling around in the ground and they get tripped up in the police caution tape that's left over from ten years ago. <laughs> and the, the only other thing I can think is, you know, like, it's the most retarded storyline, too, is that, okay, Harry has left for this voyage to the... He's going to... I'm going to save you, and I'm going to kill Allegra, and I will be back one day. And she's, like, driving down the street after him in the Jeep with the hazards. <laughs> and, like, she's following him down the street with her little tricorder, and she's like, 50 meters, 25 meters, 15... I see smoke ahead. I wonder if that has anything to do with Harry. No, it's a and compass. I know. I'm just it was oddly it was reminiscent of Star Trek, though. I will agree. It, it really was. And then she gets grabbed by Quinn, who's like, you know, Quinn is the exposition queen in this chapter because, you know, Quinn grabs her and, like, hand over the mouth and shoves her into an alleyway. It's like, oh, hi, Hermione. How are you? And, you know, they're talking and, and they're trying to figure out, you know, Harry has been, you know, having these terrible headaches. And she's like, I wonder if that's a mode of transmission. Have you noticed if it's happened a lot during the rain? <laughs> yes. <laughs> what the hell? And her- Hermione doesn't, doesn't notice that. Quinn knows suspiciously a, a lot about all this. 
Yes. Oh, I was just reading a book on that the other day, just like when they end up in the old prison. I was just reading the map the other day, the infirmaries <laughs> down the hall to the left. It's just like that. I'm like, yeah. you seem to be very prepared at all times, Quinn. That's just remarkable. But, um, so, yeah, so then we have the, the only other thing I want to say is, you know, there's the scene with the widow and there's the, the, the not the oars, the enforcers come and, and she talks about how her, her late husband, you know, who's been dead for 20 minutes, resisted the circle and all this stuff. And she's like, only Harry Potter can save us. And all of a sudden she feels a hand like on hers saying, don't worry, I will. And all I would do is I would scream like a small girl. <laughs> Who the hell is that? <laughs> but it comes across as this very beautiful is in that nice moment i'd be like ah! I'd run that like through the window and kill myself I but. Think what made me laugh about this chapter was the little bit about texas did y'all notice that there was texas bit no but i did know no, this was um i did know this hermione asking illinois where illinois was. was it's one of the little ones in the middle <laughs> it's like oh god it's jen <laughs> the jen school of geography uh, yeah. <laughs> they're talking about <laughs> They're talking about the Enforcer Academy in San Antonio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and she's like, I heard it's beautiful there. And they're like, yeah, but it, it's scenic, like Hogwarts. And I'm like, okay, it, has anyone been to San Antonio? Because it's sort of like flat and like dusty with like, that's for like cowboys and, you know, like that's San Antonio, like the little, the Alamo, you know. <laughs> And it's beautiful. <laughs> it's like it's just like Hogwarts. The desert and that landscapes can be very beautiful. I guess maybe. Well, but it's not like it's just like Hogwarts, except without the lake or the mountains or the grass or the moisture. It's exactly like all the castles. They're probably True. staying in little, you know, Indian teepees, and I don't know. All right, I've got to watch out that, for actually. magical magical transmissions because it started to rain. Oh, <laughs> I think I can uh. hear. Oh, can you hear it? It's on my veranda. That's rain on my veranda. <laughs> is it your is it your fore or aft veranda? Sorry, I got a bit excited. We hardly ever get hail. See, it's really cold here right now. I can't hear. Hail's exciting. Are you serious? I, it's cold. Can I just tell you this is going to be winter. episode? This is going to be episode fifty-six. It's raining on Kez's veranda, and no one will know what this is. Did about. you see? It's winter and it's really cold, and there's hail. Like, it's 104 degrees. Yeah. I yeah. wish that I was in Australia. There's there's this great uh, uh, bank. It's struck by lightning. Jen's like, damn, I wish it was me. Instead of her. <laughs> there's a great bank. Okay, on my, the on my way. Stop. And Sorry. I have no magical impulses to my brain. We may continue. We may continue. Hold on. Mrs. Huggles has arrived home at the uh, Powerific Weekly studio here. She's <laughs> off to work. Hi, Danielle. Bye. Wait. She's off to work? She's arrived home. She's off. No sense. <laughs> Did he say she's arrived home and now she's off to work? She's off to work. She works the night shift. I know. Wait. She, uh, bye, Danielle. They were up to the part where they leave the road. That's my favorite part of this chapter. <laughs> Kezza, would you like to take it from there? So they're chasing <laughs> so, so, Harry. They're chasing it Harry. And Quinn's got the compass. She's in the passenger seat. And she's like, bear to the left. And Hermione says, I can't. There's no road. And all I could think was, roads, where we're going, we don't need roads. Well, I love the line, too, because it's like the line from, from uh, Sorcerer's Stone, true. where they're like, are you a witch or aren't you? Is this a jeep or not? Yeah. This is a jeep with little tires. Some jeeps have little tires. <laughs> they get a flat. Quinn's like, I'm a defense against the dark eight teacher. Hermione's like, I read books. And they're trying to explain to the AAA guy where they are. And, and this is where Hedwig swoops into the car. 
How? Why Bert? is this head No, stop. No, shush. No. <laughs> you don't know what you're doing, This do you? is where the Count Dracula buys a church. What? But, but what happens Carfax is they Abbey. go off and they're like he's moving and then they lose him and Hermione says can't he stay in one bloody place for more than an hour and I'm all I can think of is a hello three hours I'd be thrilled at least he's not having sex thank god he's loyal like, of course he can stay in one place for an hour like three hours if, if you worried if he stayed in one place for three hours <laughs> like his, like if it was like the Marauder's Map and the dot was fixated and it kept bouncing up and down like that would be terrible that would be awful that would be awful okay now the next scene just confused me a little bit you're like none other <laughs> no exactly. well, that's, that is true that, that was <laughs> That was around the, um, am I going to die? Garden gnome getting thrown over the tower. But, <laughs> now, this is where things get confusing. Now, Harry is spying on the bad guys. And instead of, now, we, this is before extendable ears, so we need some type of device to let some eavesdrop. So he, it's essentially, you know, the, you know, heard it through the grapevine expression it actually comes from, what, now, what is it? It's you plant seeds and it grows into a large vine, and then the vines talk to, like, the other vine, and you can it's hear like, everything. It's a great yeah. vine. So it's like, that vine. seems to me like a really stupid way of, of eavesdropping, because, like, wouldn't the bad guys know this is random, gro- like, vine <laughs> growing right next to them? Like, that wasn't there before, was Like, that just seems like a little... It's like the old radios that were the size of a bus. Like, that's somewhat noticeable. Very inspector gadget. <laughs> well... <laughs> I could see a vine being innocuous. It's it's just a it's it's not like a tree growing next to you. It would be on the tree. You know, it would be connected to another plant. So that is true. But the the other thing that cracked me up is the the circle people are acknowledging that you know Harry's really powerful, and they wonder what he's like in bed because it's common knowledge he slept with Allegra. And Harry just starts laughing hysterically at this. I'm like, why would like I didn't get that from a character. Like, why would like why would Harry be laughing at that? Like, it just that just didn't seem like a Harry thing. I, Everyone's probably laughing at me if the name is wrong on this podcast already. So I'm just going to keep going from there. Actually, I'm not. I'm uh, let someone else go. I think he was laughing at the, what Mohawk said about, I did not need that image in my head. Thank you so much. Yeah, I don't know. I just, you know what? I, I'm still picturing 12-year-old Harry who's, like, looking at the ground, stuttering, and I don't know. He's obviously not, but that was just what I was picturing in my head. All right, Rachel, I'm calling on you. Rachel's outside, you know. In the dust. <laughs> in the dust. With the tumbleweeds. <laughs> it's okay. We'll wait. Sorry. What did you say? <laughs> <laughs> I have my yeah, dog locked away. up in another room, so I had to go check on him. <laughs> Look, are you uh, alive? Bark, bark, bark. Okay, good. Shut the door. Again. I didn't know if you wanted to. T- I didn't know if you wanted to jump in. And- Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> you let me know. Okay. <laughs> okay. All right, Jen, you guys jump in or else I'm going to talk all night, which will be very entertaining for, well, basically me. Um, where Hermione and Quinn find Harry. Now, they find Harry because Hedwig flies into the car and Hermione's like, I can't see, I can't see, get the owl off me. And they're swerving all over the road. And they eventually link up at the app and they do get to Harry. Now, this is the thing I loved. Now, Harry knows that the circle has time-shifting capabilities. They can shift through time at any time. And the location... Uh, now, I, I even get confused with this. What is it? The, the location of the scrolls 
is in a journal or something that's in the Abbey, so they have to find the directions to get to the thing, to read the manual, to figure out how to do the changeover, to get rid of Harry, to bring the Master back, all this stuff. But, so they need to get to the thing, and it's underground. So they eventually run into Harry, and they almost sh- all shoot each other, and the story would end. They duck at the last minute, and they don't shoot each other. Je- Harry. You're breaking up, Jen. Keep talking. No, I'm not. I'm breathing Harry. <laughs> Harry. <laughs> what the hell is she's that? Acting, she's acting out the, the text because it says Harry, she breathes. Why they don't kill each other? Because she... Harry. And he's like, it, baby. <laughs> she's like, brown chicken, my mom. So, and they get there and they find that the thing is, the, 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 all of the, you know, the scrolls that were there a minute ago are now missing. He's like, oh, crap, they can jump through time. They probably just went back in time and took them. Damn, I never thought of that. I'm like, if you've never watched, like, an episode of Star Trek, you obviously watch Star Wars, but Star Trek just not on. <laughs> Do you not get Spike TV? What is the Star Wars? A Star Wars. <laughs> Sorry, Star Trek fan writer, author. Because I, that would be the first thing I would have thought of. And later in the story, Hermione even goes there. It just That disappointed me a little bit that no one thought of that. That was a little disappointing. Well, my favorite part is like this little bit where she's like, Harry, don't be mad. Let me explain. And he's like, I love you. <laughs> and he's like, I didn't expect that, but I'm sorry. Well, can I just tell you, again, I've switched computer voices, so it doesn't say, my old voice said love, my new voice says lover. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I, that's the way, I that's, love that's, you. That's, and I'm like, is he stuttering? Why did he say, I, I, oh, that's so cute. He's ner- I love you. <laughs> yeah, that's so cute. He's... He's nervous. That's so cute. Oh, look, she's nervous, too. And it's around, like, the 14th love. I'm like, what the freaking hell is going on here? And then, like, and then Harry's like, this is one of my Asians. I'm like, this guy, that's, that's, that's a very rude thing to say. He's standing right there. I'm, like, hating the story because I'm just misinterpreting the local dialect. I don't know. That was unfortunate. But, yeah, so. I changed my GPS to this British dude. <laughs> And it used to say, turn left to get on the highway or freeway. And now it says, please turn left to get on the motorway. And I was like, what the hell? Motorway? I'm looking around. I'm like, am I near the speed trap? Like, I don't know what the motorway is. That's awesome. Can I just tell you? My text reader, it, like the old one, would just be like. Barry went to the store. It's very monotone, but it's very consistent. The new one, it would like talk really fast and then talk really slow. Talk really fast, again. and it, it, it has like human breath, so it, it, it's like panting. Is it because I had to get? I, I didn't have that much time to listen, so I really, I'm like speed, like do it on overdrive, dude. It's like he's <laughs> going through it. <laughs> But he would stop. There would be really awkward pauses until I got it aligned right. I hear the following. This is what my text reader says. There's an awkward pause at the end of a sentence. Then it says, Harry was dispirited. Hermione wanted to touch him. Well, I guess he's no longer dispirited. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very interesting reading experience. I have to go to the bathroom. I'll be back. <laughs> I'll wait for you. I was reading this bit, like, and they find each other, and and she's, he's, she says, you know, don't, you're fooling me, and, and the next bit's like, no, didn't, but it seems I underestimated your resourcefulness, Dr. Granger. A mistake you'll not make again. And I'm like, well, they're like, <laughs> <laughs> I 
just listen to I'm like they're like evil supervillains. <laughs> well, the one thing about the storyline I really love is I love the fact that they not only talk like they're e- evil supervillains, but the evil supervillains recognize that they're evil supervillains. And they're like, all right, what's in the script next? Am I supposed to like show you my cleavage and try and get you to have sex with me and then humiliate you? Why don't we cut past that scene, rip that page out of the script? I, I, I thought it was, just, it was really clever the way it was written because it was actually really, like, it was like, if it took itself too seriously, it would be a bad soap opera, but, but it didn't take itself seriously at all, so it actually became a really just fun, satirical funny. kind of thing. It, yeah, it was really funny. Hi, Rachel. I'm still here. I'm going to make you be the loudest talker on this podcast. You have no idea. Do you have coffee available? Maybe we can caffeinate you up and you won't show. <laughs> or sugar. Sugar would work, too. Sugar, too? I'm on sugar. Market. Well, Kez, I'm no kidding. <laughs> I'll let Kezza do all the talking for now. No, because you, you love this fic. You've read this fic four times. I have. Several really times. A lot. Okay, come yeah, on, Rachel. I just you're, finished you're, it again last night. Okay, That's part of the did, problem is I'm like at the very end of the story, at her summary, mm-hmm. and you guys are all here in the, the middle of the second story, or the first yeah. story, so I'm having to go back and catch up again. Okay, well, you, just jump out any funny things you have, because you just jump out there, just, just jump and throw well, You said and, that in your notes that you thought mm-hmm. it was kind of gross that they were having sex in the same house as Quinn. They have silencing charms in you know, the, the wizard world. They don't have anything to worry about. I, I agree with Ryan, though. The next bedroom over. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's like I've heard fix where, you know, like where Ron is dating Hermione and they're, you know, like Harry's in the next bed. Oh, we'll put the silencing charm. They'll never know. <laughs> like, oh, you can't do that. Yeah. That's it. I think we're actually covering that fic on the podcast at my request. But you know, it's, uh, uh. The, the thing that caught to me is before they operate to America, they go, I, I forget this woman, Dana's house. I forget who she is. But they, I'm like, okay, this is good. They're away from the comforts of, of the Bailey Croft, Craft Manor, whatever the hell the name is. Castle. And, and castle. They're, they're, they're away from the estate, which they're paying <laughs> uh, exorbitant property taxes on. And the slave quarters are just you know, ridiculous. <laughs> Now, this is nice. No, Jen was actually in favor of slavery at the time. And, you know... <laughs> Not my so, fault. <laughs> it's like... Exactly. So, okay, so now they're away from that. It's like Deathly Hallows. They're camping in the woods, and they're... You know, this will be a nice way to contrast, you know, the Bailey Croft man with wherever they're going now. And they're like, oh, I have a friend whose house we can stay at. And it's, like, bigger than the damn mansion. It's like they walk <laughs> in, her mind. he's like, I'll take the suite at the top. And, like, you know, he, she comes out of the shower, and he's sitting on the chaise lounge, and, like, in, like, the big <laughs> overstuffed leather armchair. I'm like, where do you people... <laughs> Like, how is it possible you had to take up dancing because you had no money to do anything else? <laughs> they were in CDs, Ryan, and the house they got yes. on foreclosure. Was what? They got it on foreclosure. Or did they? <laughs> so they only had to pay Ooh. the $345 on it. <laughs> <laughs> I watched those late night commercials. I know. They took Oh my God, those. Of- that is horrible, too. My husband actually bought that stuff a couple of weeks ago. No, and I had to sit down. Just, I, he That tax foreclosure commercial. Yes. I don't remember the name of the guy. He bought it, and I had to sit down and explain to him that it was, oh, my goodness, it was so horrible. I'm like, Chris, no, you're not actually ever going to end up with a house with this. But <laughs> Well, we have, like, auctions where you can get a house for, like, $9,000 and stuff. Like, I'm hoping to buy one soon. 
You know, with the poor crying family in the driveway. Just like, can you move across the street? I need to move my phone. I need to move in my plasma TV. I'm sorry, your bills, but I needed the house. And my I'm down. sorry, little Billy. I'm going to turn your room into an office. I hope you don't mind. Tiny yeah, Tim's like- sitting there with his brush crying. And Jen's like, I'm sorry, but the crutch actually came with the house. I'm going to have to take that. <laughs> Jen takes it and like sticks it in the ground and plants tomatoes around. No, no. <laughs> She's like an absentee landlord. They go in. There's like eighty thousand illegal immigrants living in the house with no running water. Dad, what are you doing? Oh, I'm just supporting. <laughs> Jen's like you're late on the rent. Uh, I would never do that. I might bring them food though. Uh, Jen got pregnant on the boat. All right, let's do <laughs> We're so hang- hung up on that, right? <laughs> I'm practicing the Bush Cheney thing. If you repeat it long enough, it becomes part of the truth. Yes. Uh, Once a day, it's all it takes. It's like putting on facial cream. All right. All right. So let's jump back. All right. Someone take this. I'm- I can't. I'm, I just took my inhaler. So we find out that Quinn and, and uh, who is it? Quinn and Gerald are working together and that they're mm. evil. They're evil. Well, the first time I read it, Wait. now I I will admit I knew that Quinn. I had accidentally clicked the wrong chapter, so I had seen something that implied to me that Quinn was a bad guy. I'm like, mm-hmm. all right. So going into the whole scene, you know, is she? Or well, is she? Things, well, going into the previous scene where she's like, oh, now was it raining when he got these headaches? Hmm, <laughs> that sounds like an Alpha Force transmission from the vo- like, like I'm like, oh, you little bitch, because I guess when then something was going to happen. But when I read the scene with Gerald, I remember thinking to myself, ha, they are good guys playing Allegra. And then when we got to the scene later where they are you know, exposed by Allegra, I went back and read the scene outside of the Manor 2 here, and I read it again, I'm like, you know what? I don't know why I thought that. I think they're bastards. <laughs> so I kept flipping back and forth throughout the chapter, so I was continually lulled into a false sense of security. Well, she does that real well. She has, she has the shifting kind of, which side are they on? She does that earlier in the, the fic with Sari. You don't know, is he a bad guy? Is he a good guy? You don't know. And she keeps she keeps trying to keep you on your toes with that kind of stuff all through the outfit. Well, no, one. it is. I don't know why, but I got this visual of Sar- I, th- I think I said this last week. I got this visual of Gerald as this stout little, <laughs> like, large man with a bald head who you want to, like, pinch his cheeks and take him home with you. And that that's who I pictured. So I'm like, he can't be a bad guy. He's so cute. So that was, unfortunately, <laughs> one of the other things that was playing against my favor on that one. Um, all right, now here's my thing. So they, they realize they need to transport themselves to America. Now they look over their options. They're like, all right, the banks won't open until Monday, so we can't get access to our galleons. And I'm like, really? The world is going to end because the banks close <laughs> on Saturdays and Sundays. There's no other way. You can't borrow money from your you know your ex-father-in-law in a different AU universe, the Minister of Magic. You, know, you can't go back to, you know, the... Okay, let me put it this way. He owns the house, like, you know, the size of the Clampett's house in Beverly Hills. He doesn't have, like, the galleon room. I don't know. That just, <laughs> to me, rang a little a little unrealistic. All right, so he go- so we can't get galleons. Okay. Now- Which, you know, Hermione packed a bag of money when she packed her bag to go after Harry. That's, she, so they have money. 
she plans ahead while well, she's circling the house going, no, just kidding. She's already there. Yeah, but so Hermione has money. Hermione has money. But unfortunately, they, they forget it's, the fact that Hermione has money. money. Wait. Oh, wait. Oh, no. Was it galleons? I'm joking. No, they, they're, they're, no, you're right. They have galleons, but they can't transfer it to <laughs> London. And unfortunately, by then, the world will be over. Yeah, they can't, so, they can't get a plane, in other words, because they, they don't have enough muggle money. Oh, well, here's, my. Here's and they can't point. operate because... Because the shield is up over the city uh, brotherly <laughs> love. Didn't they try and they kept bouncing back? Yeah. They kept bouncing back. They're like, yeah. boing, I got this to the ping pong balls. Boing, boing, boing. Like, does it, it strike anybody else that it would take a ridiculous amount of magical power to shield an entire city with an anti-apparition you know, barrier? I don't know. That just that but, bothered but me. But here's – this is my point of confusion. So they try and apparate. Bing, sorry, your call has been rejected. And they get flopped back over in front of Dana's house. They're like, crap. All right. What if we ap- – now, this is like – like okay, let me ask you this. Show of hands. Who here is a Star Trek fan? Me. Me. Right. Who has seen the episode where um, they, there's this – it's the Next Generation episode. There's this wave that pushes ships without yep. warp engines to warp, and Alexander – Worf's son comes back on to the ship of the episode. Long story short, the wave is out of control and it's heading towards a planet. Now picture a piece of paper flying through space. It's it's almost completely flat, okay? And the, the Enterprise is chasing after it. And they're like, okay, here's the deal. We need to go in front of it and then shoot our torpedo, like our aft torpedoes and blow the thing up. But here's the problem. We have to go through it and it's going to mess us up and it's going to fry every system on the ship. And they're like, why don't we go over it? And they're like, there's not enough time to go over it. <laughs> I'm like, are you kidding me? Space is three-dimensional. It's like in that episode where you know the Picard tries to blockade the Romulans. Why don't they just go over him? Like, it doesn't make any sense to me that people don't think that way. So they're like, okay, why don't we fly you know, just outside of the shield and we'll like hitch a ride. We'll never make it in time. You know? <laughs> and I, all I could think of is well, okay, so the alternative is, okay, you, you won't make it in time, and, and you know, a muggle airplane, you don't have the money. So they go to Grunnings, and they essentially steal Dudley's plane. And Harry walks in, and he does this little Obi-Wan thing on the guard outside, and he does this little Obi-Wan thing on the secretary, and he goes right in, and he gets he doesn't even bother doing the Obi-Wan thing on Dudley, and he gets the keys. And my only response is, okay, let me get this straight. You couldn't have you know, apparated to Bethlehem, Pennsylvania, and you couldn't have done your little Obi-Wan thing on the Hertz rent-a-car guy and been there in three hours? I love like that, that, was... that is where your mind goes. My mind was like, when the hell did Dudley become successful? No, why the hell would you, if you're the director of a successful drill company, why do you have <laughs> keys to the corporate jet in your pocket? Why is your company run so badly and with so little oversight that when the drill company's corporate jet is missing, you can get away with, oh, it's in the shop. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Like, are you kidding me with this? Where's the president? Oh, he had to run some errands. Oh, I guess he'll be back later then. Like, no, that doesn't fly. Like, Harry disappears. <laughs> <laughs> two hours later, and they're calling out, you know, like the bloodhounds. Like, but all oh, the jet. I, I loaned it to my mother. Don't tell anybody. Well, I, I thought. I, I was going to say. They could, the the whole they, reason to do that is because it's yeah. fun to make, to beat up on Dudley at this point, you know. You want to see Dudley squirm. So, yeah, it's, it, it, you know, he. I suppose they could have they could have apparated to Bethlehem and, and, and taken a hitched a ride, but it's more fun to, to you know, go and, and make Dudley squirm for all the years of, you know, getting beat on 
He could have appar- he could have you know done his little Obi Wan thing at the guy at the airport too and gone on the commercial jet. But you know what? Maybe Harry doesn't like flying coach because really, if you lived where Harry lived, why would you? <laughs> they got it on a foreclosure. <laughs> well, I have a question. Does it ever say who flies the plane? No. Uh, yeah. Well, it, they, they say they're going to charm it. it. That was that just was weird to me. It's like like so obviously did they ever bring the plane back? <laughs> like it's like it doesn't so like you think Dudley's like day sixty three. Um it's in the shop, I'll call again. <laughs> well that is a good point, because they do get they do get all get kidnapped from that side, don't they? I know, like the like the plane is never mentioned again and if Dudley shows up gainfully employed, I'm really gonna have to write that one off as a plot hole. I think that's funny though. But it's not really because I think they went it doesn't right. It doesn't say when they bring it back, though, does it? It never but, mentions the plane. Again. Well, you know, they probably had they had bigger fish to fry once Harry got kidnapped. Maybe and... they gave it to Hedwig. Hedwig flew it back. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had Persephone do it. You know, Persephone the super owl. Yeah, well, that's true too because you know Gerald is about to divulge his true identity, so they don't really need him anymore. So like, all right, I'll take it. <laughs> And can I just point out here, I'm just looking through my notes to these chapters. When her, when Hermione is in the shower, she is thinking to herself that, you know, she she's obviously had sex with Gerald many times. And as he's dead, that's just icky. So, on the other hand, who was that guy I had sex with? And she feels very faint. So she sits down on the bench in the shower and Harry comes in and helps her. And all I can think of is the shower has an effing bench in it? Like, where do they... <laughs> like, P.O.U. brought to you by Martha Stewart Living. Like, this, like everywhere, they, they cannot stay in just, like, a Best Western. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, they, these people do not live like I live. Harry did all, stay in a, in a hostel at one point, so. <laughs> I know, it's like the random hostel. Well, it's like the line later, what's the line later on? It's like, it's a hostel, like the, when the, um. Oh, when they the go to the Lexicor, and it's like, unless it had, a, it was a luxury suite or something like that, I forget exactly. No, no, it's w- it's when the uh, press keeps coming around the house, so Laura tells them it's a hospital <laughs> mortuary. No, the a brothel, Sh- combination brothel and mortuary. Brothel mortuary, yeah, shag him and bag him. I love that. I thought that was incredible. Uh, I think it's a good time. I thought that was great. All right, good Laura moment. That was just a great Laura moment. I like that. One thing I thought was really well written was, and some sometimes during these scenes, like I just I go, what what the hell was going on in this scene? Like the like the like the wording just seems weird, and the sentiment seems forced. But sometimes, what what really draws me into the story is, for as much as sometimes the characters don't see, they seem almost like you know, after school movie at times. Other times they seem incredibly uh, well written and focused. Like Hermione, you know, she doesn't like this. Like I get really upset later when we find out who Gerald really was. And, and Hermione's reaction to that, I thought, was just re- really, really off. But I love the fact that when she knows that, you know, everything she had with this guy was a lie. And beyond, it's not like, you know, you date a guy and he tells you he's a corporate executive and really he works at the gas station. It's not that kind of deceit. It's, oh, by the way, I'm dead and I put on this whole show. And by the way, those were all actors at the company Christmas party. And, you know... Th- you know something very strange is happening and she's just under the water and she's got this you know incredible water pressure because obviously why would she have to have weak water pressure like me so she's got like you know like the she's got the water pressure kramer had in that seinfeld episode where he got the horse shower and you know she's just you know rinsing her eyes and her hair and just her body and she's trying to just get like the dirt off her she feels so violated i just thought that was a great scene that was a very well-played moment you know with harry when he comes in to help her i thought that was incredible i love the shower scene I love that he comes in and wraps her in a towel, and then she still has soap in her hair, and he kisses her and goes, bleh. I love that. 
Well, that's a great moment in their relationship, too, because one of the problems I had with the relationship early on was, if, like, if Rena were here, she'd be like, it's like, an, oh, I love you. Oh, I love you, too. Care Bear Stare. It was just, you know, com- <laughs> it, it, there, there were no, there was no edges to the relationship. So I love it when, you know, when they come back out to the bedroom and they still have Ron, like, sitting, like, you know, the anvil over their relationship ready to drop. And you know that Harry feels this tremendous pressure not to be with Hermione almost like for Ron. You know, like, he's like the, like, you know how, like, if someone dies, you leave them a note in the casket. It's almost like, you know, I have to leave, you know, Hermione in the casket, like, you know, because Hermione was Ron's. And just going through it, I just love the fact that where Hermione gets that this relationship is about to end unless she steps in there and she does something to try and convince Harry that he was the one she was destined to be with. But I thought some of the wording here was a little weird. Like, at one point, Harry says, Ron was my peer, and by that, I mean someone of my own age. I'm like, thank you, Harry, for defining peer. I was very confused. And then after that, he actually says, he, he feels very bad for Ron. And the sentiment here, I think, is really, really good. He, you know, like, Ron was almost like the sidekick and like, not that he was, but he perceived himself to be the sidekick and he was more than that. But because of me, he got second fiddle. And because of me, you know, he felt poor cause I had money and because of me. He always, he never excelled almost because of me, but he says the line, I took the recognition he deserved for being a Weasley. And I think I know what that line means, but it's just very awkwardly worded. I think. I think it means that, you know, he was a Weasley, so he deserved to be recognized for being, you know, a Weasley, which is a great, great thing. And I almost stole that from him because he was so living in my shadow. And I think the sentiment was good, but there were there were points throughout here where I kept getting kicked out of the story because either the story said that Harry had Asians or because <laughs> the wording was just a little... Or because there was an um, awkward pause for like 25 seconds. There's an awkward pause. <laughs> Feel me, Hermione. I'm like, oh my. Um, <laughs> well, no, it, the, it was probably just editing out all the, the stuff that the, the the mechanical voice didn't want to say, you know. Exactly. But unfortunately for me, I was very confused. I hate Ron the sidekick. I just, because I never thought of him as the sidekick. So I hate when Fix make this great exposition about how Ron's in Harry's shadow and the sidekick. Because the only person who ever saw that was Ron. I don't think anyone else actually saw that. And it was just Ron felt insecure. Like that's how I saw it. So whenever Fix go on about it, I get really frustrated because I never saw him as a sidekick. But that's just me. Maybe Harry was meaning to say, because he knew him so well, he knew that's what Ron thought. Yeah. yeah, it's like it's yeah. like if you, it's like the scene with um, it's like the scene with uh, later on in the chapters where Harry and Hermione have the fight and then Harry vanishes. You know, Hermione's thoughts was you know like God, if he died, did, did he die thinking I was such a jerk to him? It's you always feel awful. Like even like my dad passed away several years ago, but I always feel like if I had like I had a fight with him a year before he died and I and I said things that maybe I shouldn't have said, then I'm like, oh God, did he always think I thought this because I didn't mean? It's you always think back and you always have to think, oh God, because of me, Ron could have without me, Ron would still be alive and he wouldn't have felt this way. And Harry's the type to blame himself, so I thought that was pretty natural and organic just from the character. Harry's a uh, guilt whore. I mean, that's... It really is hilarious, but he wouldn't be Harry. She doesn't talk a lot, everybody, but when she does, it's He's damn good. Guilt whore. Well, if, if, if Harry's a guilt whore, then Ron's an insecurity whore, because he just is the poster boy for insecurity. And but they wouldn't be who and they dead. are without this. I mean, Harry true. wouldn't save the world if he didn't feel guilt. But you know what it was... It's okay, bitch. So Harry is the guilt whore. He's 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 immersed in guilt. And later on in these chapters at the Hogwarts gala, they cleanse themselves of the guilt, and they're like, 
So to celebrate, they have sex at the point where Ron died. They consummate uh, their relationship again. Not I'm like, there oh yet. my god! <laughs> Jen, no, Jen I, can, like the- I can get that that Harry is, is like that. I just, I think I'm I'm rebelling against the word sidekick. I just think it sounds awful. I know he's not well, Robin and tights. <laughs> yeah, it makes him sound like Robert. <laughs> Robin. <I> know, <laughs> Dad, gum it, he's not Robin. Oh. I know, guys, just because I think um, everyone's staying quiet because they're waiting for their favorite scene to come up, let's feel free to talk out of order because I think it'll make for a better podcast. <laughs> So. about the next scene because okay. the next, the next scene because to my favorite scene. Okay, go ahead. Wait, go, what? Cause what? No, no, I didn't hear what you said because I got all excited about the next scene. <laughs> Is it the next scene though, where they go, where they split up? And yeah, yeah and sitting, I'm sitting there reading it and they're like, we're going to split up and I'm like, no, no, no. Don't, no, like, don't split. Don't, well, is, don't go in the room. Now, let's, let's look at Hermione here. Now, Rinna said last week, a couple of weeks ago, before the podcast, that she ca- can't get into this fic because Hermione seems like Ginny. And aside from a moment here or a moment there, I really don't see that. I really see her as Hermione, and she's so changed by the events of this fic that, you know, she just becomes almost like a completely different person, and she becomes a much more outgoing person, a much more yeah, violent person. I don't see it here or there. I, you don't I, see what we're there? I don't see that Hermione is Ginny here or there. I don't see... Well, no. There's a couple moments where I'm like, oh, I could see Ginny saying that. Like, I think Keza has one in her notes yeah. later on. It, it's almost like like a it's almost like a problem in the fic. It's almost like a mistake, almost. It's so blatant. But, yeah. um... Okay, so so here's the thing. So, But you're, the thing with Hermione is she's the logical, reasoned one. And, and Ginny's more the impulsive one. But lo- Hermione's very logical, and she's reasoned, and she uses... She's, sometimes she's not street smarts, because she's so incredibly book smart. And maybe... You know, this is an example of not having street smarts, and maybe it's fine. But okay, all right. So you're you're walking down the street looking for Harry, and all of a sudden Quinn grabs you, pulls you into an alley, seems to know a lot about what you're doing, and seems to oh, was it, was it raining out when he when he got these? <laughs> oh my god! You, I think those were transmissions. And he, I'm like, okay, that's peculiar. And then and then you you apparate. And she's like, oh, hold on, I know where to go. Follow me. And they apparate. I'm sorry, we're not there yet. Is this where? They, We're they almost still have there. Harry with them? Okay. Actually, you guys take it, and I'll put my bit in later. But Quinn is a defense against the dark arts. These are things she's supposed to know. You know, that's a, this is her uh, job. That's true, but she seems a little... It seems she a little, little bit suspicious. She's the teacher, and she's acting like, you know, some kind of fantastic spy. And she, well, like, she knows all this. Enforcer? She's the teacher. Well, I can only say... Oh, she's the I can only assume it's the summer months when this is happening, because I'm like, don't you have... Students to teach? <laughs> like, why are you here? Oh, well, good point. I think it is actually. Point, because isn't Hermione pale because it's winter? No, that, that was, was the yeah. dream. <laughs> 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 but, good, but good thinking. Pl- well, that's what I'm thinking. I'm like, I'm just a teacher. I just, you know, my, I told my kid, I, I took the day off. But, I so they get into this place, if I'm right. They're in Lexicor now, right? Lexicor? That's the next part, thing? yeah. Uh, that's the next part? It's chapter 13. Oh, well, who cares? I'm just going to say anyway. I was like, Go for it. <laughs> they've got this prison and they've put it in a pocket. And I've got through my head this song that my kids learn at school about a pockety, pockety, pocket. And I'm thinking, <laughs> I'm sitting there ready. Oh, they took the prison and they put it in a pockety, pockety, pocket. And I'm like, what kind of stinking pocket is this? Like, how do you get a whole prison and you just stick it in a pocket? And I didn't get it. And then... <laughs> 
then you have Hermione, the most logical woman ever. Where she, they're like, "Where are we?" And and Quinn's like, "Oh my God, we're in the we're in the prison that existed before Azkaban." I just read the I read all the blueprints the other day. Follow me. The, the, yeah. I'm like, what the hell and Harry's there. He's like going. Oh, no matter how often I do this dangerous espionage, you know, I'd never get used to it. And I'm like, he's a spy. It's what he does for a living. He's not used to it yet. He's not used to it. Is there anyone who doesn't know he's a spy by this point? I, no. I forgot even later on where he <laughs> just, teaches. It just the- hasn't got a hold of them yet. Where he teaches the class to the group, and he walks, and he's like, Hi, I'm Harry Potter. I'm a spy. I know this is shocking. Please try and compose yourself. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm sure you had no idea. I'm just that good at it. But I just thought that, yeah. I thought, but no, I thought that scene was great. Now, let's talk. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to jump all over the map here. Let's talk about the scene where Harry is captured by Allegra. Okay. Uh, yeah. Allegra is so evil. Oh, I, yeah. I, they're in a circle, and I just want to say this because they're like in a circle, and she's got the her, uh, she's got Hermione there, and she's you know there's evil, and she's being all mean, and I just want to run to real Hermione, or fake Hermione, the fake Hermione, but that's a spoiler. But I just was like, oh, and I wanted Ron to come rushing in and save the day, and I'm like, but he's not there, no, he's Ron. Dead. Could he's you picture dead. if like all of a sudden you heard like down the hall like she's about to stab Hermione, and she's like, anyone hear that? Hear what? And you're like, oh, I hear it. Is he here? Uh, all of a sudden, Ron comes flying in the room. And, like, <laughs> oh, my God. I, I really thought, I really thought that because I was starting to get this suspicion at this point that Ron is actually alive because I kept making such a big deal about how Ron was dead. And I'm like, he's got to be alive. So I'm like, he's going to come. He's going to be there. He's going to be in the inner circle this whole time. This was my first Ron theory. That he's actually well, there, and he's going to, like, throw off his Slytherin cape. And <laughs> I will save you. He's going to lose his mouth. For, you know, Ron, it, well, Ron is sorry or whatever under the mask. And my first question is, okay, apparently it wasn't going to work with Hermione because you've been sleeping with Laura this whole time. But it's, I'm, I'm, trying to put, I'm trying to put this all together here. And I'm like, okay, let me get this straight. You know, Hermione gets the note in the earlier chapters from last week that Ron is, I'm sorry, she gets the note and she opens it and it's right at the end of the scene and she's like, oh crap, Harry's dead. She rips the, and she's like, oh, damn it, we had theater tickets. My night is ruined. (laughs) And so this implies to me, this isn't the first time you've gotten a call that someone's dead and they really haven't been. So then, you know, she got, Harry, not really dead, he's only sleeping. Okay, so that's over and done with. Now in this scene, you have, you know, you have fake Hermione who turns out to be obviously fake Hermione, so a second fake death. Hey, but this is like the worst, most agonizingly descriptive death ever. It is. Yeah, yeah, I say, it, I, I, it is. Before we, before we get there, I want to get the silly out of the way first. And then we have, later on, we have, you know, we found Harry, and there's a dead body, and she's like checking every square inch of it, you know, mainly just for fun. And she's like, it's this like, is, this is fun. You're like, this is not Harry. This is a, this is another fake body, and they throw it in the fake body pile over the corner, <laughs> which, is, then, which is like up to the ceiling now. And then they're like, and Draco Malfoy died, and he was never seen again. And I'm like, okay, not so much. He, look, he's alive. It's a miracle. And I'm like, because <sighs> someone else is alive. So I'm really thinking Ron might be kicking because everyone, every time else they've predicted death, they've been wrong. So why should I believe them now? Well, but no, that's my Ron theory. Yeah, they do. They do. They do keep Ron alive in your in your consciousness. Throughout. She does keep him alive in your consciousness throughout the story, and he's mentioned all the time. Uh, with well, with between Harry and Hermione. Well, well, 
Sure, exactly. Um, well, it's, uh, which is, well, you know, if, yeah, because you can't write him out because then it's like, oh yeah, the author just didn't like Ron, but he's so important to the trio. You, ha- I agree, you have to mention him forever. It somehow, I don't think Sirius has been mentioned up to this point. Yeah, no, not at this point. Oh, we haven't seen Sirius too. Sirius is the president. He's like, hello. <laughs> like, I'm picturing the little Secret Service. No, Sirius is Dick Cheney. <laughs> I like exactly. that Sirius is written a lot more old. Adult? Yeah. yeah. Less prankster-ish. Just more, like, settled. Did anyone else think his wife here was um, Aberforth's wife from Curse What's of the Shadow? <laughs> Cordelia. It's this, Cord- it's, Cordelia. Isn't that the same, it's the I same thought, name? I thought it was Angel's sidekick from uh, the, the TV <laughs> Yeah, show. I think it is. I think that's who it's supposed to be. It probably is. I have not gone that far. I still have Gen season. Actually, right, no, you're right. That could be that could be what it is because isn't uh, our crossover moment coming up eventually? Yeah, it is. Yep. Oh. And you know what? Right, <laughs> Don't. I can't wait for that. I by the way, it. I love it. You know what's strange? Go ahead, Rachel. What's strange here is that Draco is supposedly dead, but Harry didn't know. He's an intelligence agent. How is it that he doesn't know that Draco Malfoy has been dead, you know? That just kind of left me baffled. Well, you know what the thing was about, we find out later about the Draco story, is that, you know, he, now what was the story? He, I remember he was outside the house of the woman with the daughter, and he saw his father break the daughter's neck, so he, like, ran away into the woods and got sick and and came out. Now, here's the thing. If you found, okay, A or B, all right. If you find like a dead-looking guy, well, not dead. You find a very ill guy like throwing up on the sidewalk out of your house. Do you a call an ambulance or b take him home with you and nurse him back to health? Like I always think it's funny in storylines with like he obviously took her home and they fell in love. And I'm like, you know, she could have visited him in the hospital every day. He could have said his name was Bob, and no one would have known. But. <laughs> I, I thought that I I, just, I I really liked the fact that she took him home with her. I just thought that was really cool. We're up to the point where um, Hermione dies in a cruel yeah, and gruesome fashion, and then, yes. and then Hermione and Quinn hear Harry scream, which just chilled me because even though I've got this sort of Harry Hermione block because I'm a Harry Ginny shipper, but I think she's written really well the depth that they do feel for each other like it's it's pretty convincing for me but but then it just threw me out because quinn and hermione can hear this scream and it was the sound of absolute suffering and i'm just starting quoting <laughs> the princess bride in my head and i'm just like no what happened to the the moment where you know the the whole emotional scene and i and it, she keeps throwing out this stuff and i you know, it's all emotional. I'm getting in the story, and I'm like, oh, that makes he's Batman. Oh, he's Superman. Because <laughs> like, hey. later on, there's a part where Harry's flying with Hermione, and I'm like, oh, they're Superman and Lois Lane. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's uh, Superman. Uh, yeah. But the sound of absolute suffering, I'm like, oh, he's in that albino, um, albino lair. The torture chamber. <laughs> in the torture chamber, and he's like, ah, with the thing sucking his fiber. It was just so cruel. I love how it's written, though. I love how that scene... I think she, like, really got on some top writing there where, um, uh, where you know, that even just that paragraph, you know. But I even liked better when they walk him to his cell. And I'm going to read this because I like it so, minute, so much. For a moment, Hermione just stood there looking at him, tears springing 
to her eyes. He was kneeling on the floor in the middle of the cell, curled up in a ball, with his head resting on the floor and his arms wrapped around his stomach. Every few seconds, his chest would hitch in the clear aftermath of a bout of intense grief. I'm like, oh, Harry, I want to give you a hug. But I mean, can I just say this? I want to say this. I think if you try and, like, to try and rank everyone here, I think we have one of the more... In terms of fan fiction, one of the more liberal groups we've had on Polarific Weekly in a while, because there's a lot of people who just, you know, they like their Harry Ginny, and that's all they like, and they get squicked out if they try and go into another one. I mean, I'm probably one of the least liberal people on here, just because I haven't read a lot of other stuff. I've really, I've kept, you know, the reservation on this one. I haven't really wandered into, like, the Draco Although this fic does have everything. I'm, I, I even, I, I've lost all of my virginities in this podcast. You know, the Draco well. Jenny gone. Draco Hermione, gone. Harry Hermione, gone. I think Dobby and the Whomping Willow at one point were doing some things that were unseemly. But, um... <laughs> I, like, oh. I, I, I agree with... I agree with Jen, though. You know, you have the scene where, you know, Harry, you know, Hermione supposedly comes into the room and, and Harry's mouthing to her, it'll be okay. And, you know, Allegra just walks up and stabs her. And it's like, it was almost so painful because it was like the knife going through her chest. And, it all, and it, I don't know why, but it, it was so, like, organic the way it was written. And, you know, she even allows Harry to run up and hold her, which is even more, you know prone to induce suffering right. and, you know, and, and you know he looks at her and he, give, and he kisses her and he just holds her and he doesn't want to let her body go and they like pull her body away from him so he can't even touch her body anymore and he's absolutely defeated and he just goes back to the cell and he doesn't care if the world he doesn't care about any, about anything and I completely agree with Jen the scene where they're walking and they can hear him just screaming from down the hallway and I'm picturing if that was filmed just like you know the Hermione standing there and the, you know the camera focusing in on her as she's hearing that and Oh, speaking of which, I'm so excited to see that in Deathly Hallows the other way around. Yes. Yes. Like, Hold on. Which scene from Deathly Hallows where you hear the... You're like, yes, yes. You... No. no, then I... The scene where else. Hermione is is take, is take kidnapped by... Yes, yes. Oh, yes. yes. And Ron is, is... Yeah. I cannot wait to see that. Okay. Yeah. I, I thought yeah. that bit where um, he makes the scream... And they, they can tell it's Harry, and Quinn's like, wow, what would make him make that noise? And you can tell at that moment that Hermione has an inkling because she's heard him make that he noise. I've heard him make that noise once before. Yeah. And, that was really good, yeah. And I was I like, ooh, give me the chills. Let me just say real quick, I love the line at the beginning of the, the part where after right after uh, Allegra kills the fake Hermione, all the breath was pulled from Harry's chest as if someone had stuck a fishing hook down his throat and yanked it out. Just oh. that just sounds really painful. It sounds really <laughs> Which is well, what it, it would have been. And you know what that he, writing did for me? I was picturing, like, usually when you picture, you know, you've been stabbed by a knife, you picture that stupid Star Trek episode where Wesley gets stabbed in <laughs> the chest, and all the fans are like, yeah! <laughs> but of course it turns he was It turns out he came back. But when when she, when she put the, the language in about the fishing hook, I was picturing the knife after that. I got this image in my mind of almost, like, these very thin little wires, like, shoved through her chest, and, like, this very painful... You know, like almost like it's like the most painful way to die was the image I got, and it just it just it gives you this really sadistic, you know, view. Like there's bad guy. You know what's weird to me? I read that scene the day after I just saw the new Batman movie. Mm-hmm. So I had the joke. I had Heath Ledger as the Joker stuffed him. Oh God, can I guys? Can I just stop for a moment? Mike, you're listening to this. I love you, man. I do. I love you. He, um, Mike, went to see Batman, and he told me that he thought um, the Joker was a, was a great character. And, and, and he's, who played the Joker? I'm like, uh, that would be Heath Ledger. Oh, no, he, no. 
Heath Ledger played the Joker. He says, oh, is he coming back for the next one? (laughs) (laughs) Way to be out of touch, Mike. Mike, we love Mike. He just lives in a bobble. Oh, Oh, Mike. Mike. Bubble, bubble. I put it on the forum. I was like the first person who said it because I was just depressed and shocked. Well, I was in New York City that day. I was leaving New York City right when he was found. I I remember that morning. Anyway, um, but I just, I just love that. And and then when you hear that, you know, and and let me just say this real fast about the Harry Hermione angle. As I'm trying to get into it, like I can't buy into it from what I've seen in the canon, but I can believe that Hermione is literally the only thing Harry has left of his pre-war life. And they have bonded so much. Like the way I even look at it when I was having difficulty with the romantic angle of it was that Hermione is the closest friend that Harry has and their friendship goes beyond family in a way. So I was choosing different points where I was having difficulty with it. I even overlooked the entire romantic angle and I read it that these are just the closest friends that any two people can be They're, They couldn't be closer if they tried. And that made it so much easier for me to get into. And eventually I, I was able to, I think accepted a lot more, but that was one of the things I had to do myself was just to picture that. And if you read it that way as well, it's such an important moment, especially when, and just to skip around when Hermione sees Harry in his cell and and goes into his cell and she's standing there and she has the invisibility cloak on and she doesn't want to frighten him, but she takes the cloak off and Harry literally sees her and and it's like he's been brainwashed. He thinks it's Allegra playing another cruel joke on him. And she has to convince him that she is actually herself and I just thought that entire scene was just incredibly, incredibly yeah. well written. Yeah, I, I, I totally. I didn't know. Did y'all think that he believed her too soon, or do you think I thought those so. things, Or do you think yeah. it's one of those things where he was so desperate to believe her at that point? I think a little bit of both, maybe. I don't know. I think he would have had some sort of code question or something to ask her. You know, she's standing yeah. there and she's telling him, "It's my voice. Do you hear me? Do you see me? I can't be anybody but me." Back again to Harry being an intelligence agent and a mage, and he's super smart, and he should, you know, I don't know. I would think they would have some sort of system worked That's out where he could say. Or a question that he could ask her that yeah. makes with. Yeah. Well, I, th- I was thinking that, too, but then Hermione, like, puts her puts his hand on her heart and her hand on his heart, and she gives this beautiful speech about, you know me more than anyone, you know this is me, and it would have really ruined that scene if he's like, yeah, that's great. What's my pin number on my bank? <laughs> <laughs> I think that would have ruined Oh, great. Yeah, screw you, buddy. All right. 7818. But, um... <laughs> I was like, is this now where they both get caught? Yeah. Yeah. And... They start talking about having sex in the cell. <laughs> yeah. They've had sex everywhere else. I'm well, this sorry. This is like one of my favorite bits of dialogue because like, let's get the sex. romance book out and like they start coming up with names. Well, they're trying to, it's the gallows humor. You know, you got, you, you're about to I die. Love it, so. Yeah. Wait, I wrote it down. I, I have it right here. The only other one I can think of would be for me to beg you to impregnate me so I could at least have your child after your untimely Probably death. death. <laughs> and my exact response to that is, what's sick here is I read that book. <laughs> 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 and I, and I, I think I have the moment that you're mentioning right here. Is it all right to talk to you now, she said finally? <laughs> it was all right to talk before. Oh, I thought we were being quiet for a reason. What's left to say? <laughs> Look at <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, what is the decollage? A what? Decollage. That's what the area on your yeah. chest. It's the area on your chest just above your boobs. Yeah, so your cleavage. 
Oh, okay. I couldn't it's figure French. out. I thought it was a. Pa- I thought it was like a pants. <laughs> it's a French. <laughs> it's a French euphemism. <laughs> but when you don't want to say he was staring at her, it didn't make sense. And I was, Ken's oh, like staring at people's crotches. Me to say the forbidden word. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> I know it's terrible. Oh, I had one of those moments. Right. Um, okay, I love it. What I was confused about most is when they said we can't trust anyone. We can only trust ourselves now. And and then they go, how are we going to get out? Or she goes, how are we going to get out of this? And he's like, a long pause. I don't know. A longer pause. I don't, I don't know. You know why I know and- that? My computer left the pause in. It's like, <laughs> I don't know. I did some collating. Uh. I still don't know. You're a crappy me- spy. You have nothing. But he's a mage or whatever. Like, why does he just yes. fly up and, like, I don't know. Make <laughs> he was the- depressed. Honestly... <laughs> You know, Harry's mage powers kind of struck me as underpowered. He can fly, sure. He can do the Jedi mind trick. But, you know, what else can he really do? do, Why can he do the Jedi mind trick? Like, that's the thing. It's like, okay, I can do the Jedi mind trick, but I can't on Dudley or on Dudley's secretary and security guard, but I can't do it on the guy at the ticket gate at the airport to just fly me over directly. Or it's like, you know, all hope is lost, and Harry's being strapped into the chair, and Hermione's being held back, and, you know, this is right before Draco and... And Quinn step into action and, you know, undo it. No, then they put the wand in Harry's wrist and he's thinking, we have a chance. I'm like, you don't need a wand, you moron. You're a magic. Yeah, he is magic. Why so he doesn't need a wand to make it. Why didn't he think to use his mage powers when they're killing Hermione? I know. What's up with that? <laughs> it's like, oh, oh, yeah. I have all that cool superpower. It's like worse than Sirius's mirror from Apple. Oh, from Order of the Phoenix? Oh, God. It's like, oh, she died. Oh, crap. I could have prevented that. Damn it. Damn it. <laughs> That's why he's, like, in the fetal position in the cell. He forg- He remembered. He's like, oh, crap. <laughs> one line. So much more. Oh, you know what it is? It's like one of those, it's like on Star Trek, you have this wonderful thing called a transporter. It beams you anywhere. Then you're like, ah, crap. That's really going to screw up our storylines because it makes everything so easy. Let's have it break in every single episode. <laughs> there's some sort of infer- interference in the atmosphere. Yeah, d- yeah. Oh, damn it. The captain just farted. The transporter's down for like 36 hours. I'm sorry. You're going to have to freeze <laughs> to death down. How did you lose your shirt again? Oh, it happened. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. While we're on Star Trek, can I just say one scene that cracked me up? If you've ever seen a classic Star Trek episode, here's what happens. Kirk is fighting the bad guy, okay? And the music is like... And they're all circling each other. And then Kirk will charge. He'll charge at the guy and he'll get thrown over the table. And then, like, you know... But there's always the damsel in distress who's, like... Like, the thing that cracked me up about the scene when, you know, they're trying to start... You know, the changing procedure and, and, you know, Sari has been exposed and, you know, Quinn undoes, you know, Hermione's um, bindings and gives her the glamour thing and Draco undoes Harry so Harry can release himself. And, you know, Harry grabs Allegra by the throat and, like, squeezes it and no one, like, interferes. But, like, you know, all of the circle members are there. But they, like, grab Hermione and they, like, hold her back. (laughs) 
because it's always going to be like the two people fighting each other. And it's like, I can picture, you know, like Allegra and Harry going, da, 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 da. <laughs> and there's like 77 people, but they're forming like a ring around them just to watch. Especially when they start <laughs> fighting with the swords. That's what they did in Deathly Hallows. Harry, Harry and Voldemort are circling in the Great Hall and everyone else is just watching it. Yeah. And they're having this conversation, and then he shoots Expelliarmus, and he's dead, you know. <laughs> like, like, Neville walks up and stabs him in the back with a feather knife on one of the tables. Uh, <laughs> Are you all right? I, I swear, every uh, I, it's gotten to the point now, whenever anybody mentions the Expelliarmus at the end of Deathly Hallows, I just, I just die, because it, it just seems more and more absurd every time I hear it. All right, can I point out here, one thing, scene that really did piss me off in, this, in these chapters is when Harry's describing how, you know, his mage powers, and he's like, you know, well, there's there's genes that control how, you know, your parents, the gene, they control how powerful you'll be, and they control whether or not you'll be a Dumbledore or a Neville, and I'm like, screw you! Neville's That's a very a fine young burn man! on Neville there, man. Like, what the, like, you pompous jackass, you, your girlfriend got stabbed, you're like, but this I'm is not for the fire when Neville was still half a squeeb, come on, cut us up slack. Order the Phoenix. He won the House Cup in the first book. You by getting hit cup. by a spell. <laughs> by Hermione taking him out. Just like that. <laughs> in her Mary, in Je- she's wearing Jen's Mary Janes in that scene, and she totally shoots Neville. Honestly, it takes ten seconds to save Petrificus Totalis. Couldn't you run away during that time? <laughs> he's wearing his little sailboat pajamas. It's like, no, luckily, none of the Hogwarts kids like stutter. <laughs> like, thank God, book six, they started, like, not having to say their spells. Yeah. I would be like the kid that would be like... <laughs> 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 like, it just wouldn't work. And they would put me and I would cry and run away, but... <laughs> Well, it's like the scene in here where Harry and Hermione are like, okay, here's the deal. While the 83 circle members are coming at us, we're going to read the following spell. And, like, they get one of those verses out of the Bible where it's like, Abraham gave birth to Sarah. Gave birth. It's like yeah, it's like 77 generations. I'm like, I think you're going to be shot by the time you say all this. I don't know. Just me. So I was wanting to say that Lexicore... You know, they're in Lexicor and they're, you know, having this thing and they're being circled by the guys in the Slytherin cape. So they're just like watching them while Harry, you know, shoots Expelliarmus. And I think Lexicor oh, sounds like they're in Superman. It sounds like something from like, um. Lexicor? Who's that? Lex you know, Luther. Lex Luthor. <laughs> it's Lexicor. You know, it sounds like they're in Lex Luthor's evil villain factory. You know? Well, that cracks me up. And then Harry says something about <laughs> evil never dies. And I'm like, oh, he's Batman, you know. So it's like he's super superhero. He's going to escape that. Well, then my favorite scene is like when 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 Sorry, you know, Allegra knew that Sorry this entire time has been you know a double agent, but she had someone else working on it too. And then everyone turns and you see this old woman walk out of the corner, and Sorry's like Nana. Just <laughs> <laughs> cracked me up. Look, it's the old lady with the bath mat. <laughs> <laughs> she is well creepy. I'm telling you, Winter is well creepy. She's not, not as creepy as the old lady from Covenant of Echoes, though. She is. Uh, that's very no, true. She not. has a bath mat that says "bath." <laughs> it's the bath true. Mat. The bath I've mat says so. "bath mat." <laughs> I've seen. Like was, you've seen what? I've seen bath mats that say "bath mat." <laughs> it's the most boring bath mat ever. <laughs> 
<laughs> was this all the same store that had the lamp that said lamp on it or the uh, glasses that said glasses on them? Glasses on it. Yeah, I think so. That's It's for like people with very short-term memory loss who may forget what they're doing. <laughs> people people have no shape or, or uh, item recognition. They have exactly. to know. Yeah. Oh, one scene. Uh, here's the deal with Harry, all right? He, he, his best friend died, and he was afraid that, you know, that, that Hermione would see the body with, with, like, the scar drawn into his forehead as an identifier. He was afraid that Hermione would hate him. And what's interesting is Hermione doesn't know that she wouldn't. But anyway, so Harry's had that happen, and he's had all of the stuff happen, you know, all during his years at Hogwarts and the final battle and his years as a spy. And his girlfriend becomes, you know... A circle member and a death eater and all these things, whatever you want to call her, and she's the sadistic person. And earlier that day, he thought he saw his 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 girlfriend die in his arms in the most brutal way. Now Harry's having a bad day, so basically he it's the da 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 scene, and you know everyone's fighting, and it's like Batman where he punches someone and it actually says "pow" across the screen. <laughs> then he punches someone else and it says "bath mat," like just like it's this random thing. But uh, <laughs> great, like winter yeah, exactly. <laughs> Bath map backwards. But then there's the scene where all the, the circle members are like, they charge and they all jump on Harry. And all of a sudden, you see them like pulsate, like something from the middle is like, they're all like bouncing up. And all of a sudden, Harry comes blasting through and he's floating. And he's got a red cape and... Uh... And he's fluorescent. And Hermione's like... Hermione's like... Sorry. Mighty Mouse theme. I know, but I just thought that was great. I'm just, I'm just picturing all of these fat circle members going, blah, 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 and they're like pulsing. <laughs> I can totally see Set Harry's Superman. He's like, he's got the glasses going on. He can just whip them off, jump in a phone box. Super Harry. I like that she said phone box. <laughs> <Is it> both- <laughs> Like, I love listening to Keza speak. It's just so cute. I know. I love phone. I love that. I've never even thought about that, but that's what, what it is. Well, what did I say? You said a phone, say? A phone box. Did someone just get hit by a bus? <laughs> Are they phone boxes? What did I say wrong? Telephone booths. Telephone booths. Oh. Oh. <laughs> but I like telephone box. Phone box. Yeah. Phone box. Like, now, let me just read this for you. I just want to get everyone's reaction. As she imagined this bleak possibility, it was not the absence of the man who was her lover that she thought of most. Instead, she dreaded losing the man who was her companion, her friend, the strong wall at her back, and all the ways that he impacted her life on a daily basis. Um, small, insignificant ways that collectively compromised the most important relationship she'd ever had. How can I ever go through a day knowing that he will not bid me goodnight at the end of it? How can I possibly write another paper or read another book knowing he will never bring me my tea or make me stop and go to sleep? He's part of everything I do, everything I am. How can I go through my life alone without the other half of myself? Mm. That's so sad. I love it. Kezi, you're afraid to say it. What? You think that reminded you of Harry and Jenny? Well, you know, just a little bit. But you know what? <laughs> Like the, the thing I was saying you know, before. That is so only if you go into the mentality of this is a Harry Jenny fic. You no, I know. Everything. I mean, you could take anything from any play and put another character in that place. Yeah. And, you know, I you think, could think, well, this person could have said this. I mean. But you know, one thing I want to say here. Think it. over it. I'm, I know you don't have. Actually, it's in the Skype conference. But think. here's what really resonated for me when you look at that. I don't see anything in there that has to be romantic. And thinking about it in that context for me, which is how I 
kind of interpret. I had this little AU version going in my head, and it actually made it more poignant to me that they were so close, that they were such close friends, which they are such close friends. But I'm trying to build in my mind a base so I can understand the relationship because I'm so not used to it, and that really helped me to do it. And I can buy into the fact that they have literally been all they've had for 15 years. And they've gone through every. They've they've gained everything together, and they've lost everything together. And to me, it's just incredibly, incredibly poignant. And I thought that was one of the best, just descriptors, I think, of why that relationship matters so much. And even if you're someone maybe listening to this who doesn't believe in that relationship or just can't get out of that mindset of Harry Ginny or you know Ron Hermione or whatever, you have to admit that these two have the potential in the story to have shared such an incredible journey that's so much deeper than what we got in the canon. They really could easily, if a couple things had happened differently, it really could have ended up here. So I just wanted to point that scene out in particular. I just I like that part. I liked the, the way it was written, and it was a really good description. It reminded me, I was watching TV the other night, that I watched The Notebook. Okay. I mean, I haven't heard or read anything about this movie, but um, when you've... Well, this is going to be a massive spoiler, but too bad. When you find out at the end that he won't leave the home where his sweetheart is because she's not, not in her right mind anymore, she's got dementia and that. And it reminded me of that sort of sentiment, and to, in some ways it didn't matter who it was about because... Um, it, like the last bit, how can I go through my life alone without the other half of myself? Because the Duke character in um, the notebook, his kids were trying to convince him to come home because mum didn't didn't recognise them anymore and he was just, you know, he should just come home and not worry about it. And he was like, you know, she's my sweetheart and I can't just leave her here. And I don't think it matters in a way who the characters are. That, yeah that sort of sentiment but I did find it a little bit hard to apply to Harry and Hermione in that but in the context of this story where books basically books four to seven didn't happen and Harry only briefly dated Ginny and it didn't really work and Ron died and stuff I can see how they would get to that point where they would be each other half of each other I could see how that and I think I think I gave an answer to something without really setting up the question. If you're someone, because we're because we're do, not only covering the story, we're covering the, the the ship as well. If you're someone who can't buy into the relationship of Ron and Hermione, you can read this scene and still believe it because I don't think anyone denies the friendship. So there's yeah. this story can be can be obviously you know the three hour sex scene is difficult to parse, but there are so many moments within the story where it's not so much talking about the the love these two have the relationship, it's just talking about the family that they share together, and I think that's more incredibly impo- important than how many times they have sex <laughs> in an average week. But I think that's, and, but I think you know, in the absence of Ron. Yes, they and have a lot of sex. <laughs> it's enormous, enormous on the Liberty <laughs> three Bell. hours. They're having sex in the Liberty Bell, and, it's, and the gong is going off. Oh, it's like and on top of Ron's grave. Yeah. <laughs> we're hurting Jen's feelings. She loves us. Jen, we're so... Jen, she could be peeing, too. She no, I'm here. I'm listening. <laughs> Jen, we're so sorry. Will you forgive us, Jen? Yeah. No, that, I just, okay. that was the I thing I liked about the fic, is that I actually could believe it. And like, yeah. I don't think I'll ever become a Harmonian. That's just not me. But I actually could believe in, in the setup of most of this fic, even if sometimes the character of Hermione was a little bit off um, or there was something she said later on in the fic where I'm like, oh, that is so Ginny. That's a line from Ginny saying that in a Ginny world. But in the, the way it was outlined and plotted, I, I could believe that Harry and Hermione in this universe could get together. 
I want to jump a little bit because just on something you just said, I was talking to Jen earlier tonight. Obviously, as we jump through these chapters, we get to the point where um, the second installment. Um, oh, I forgot. What, what the hell is the second book called? Uh, the, the story show that the never, show ends. never ends. The show that never ends. We, we, we're reading up to the first three chapters of the show that never ends tonight. And the show that never ends begins with, you know, it ends on this wonderful, well, it ends on the scary note of Allegra like, Potter! But right before that ends with this very lovely note of, you know, togetherness and family and ooh, smooth. Napoleon Jones. Yeah. N- Napo- well, there was Napoleon, Napoleon. Jones. Napoleon's Napoleon. Napoleon. Awesome. <laughs> this is sexual <laughs> harassment and I don't have to take it. But... <laughs> I love it. Uh, the, the Susan B. Anthony erection. It's the gift that keeps on giving. But anyway, um, <laughs> you have Hermione. Now, I'm always going to compare things to Star Trek. There's a scene in um, a Star Trek uh, Deep Space Nine episode where Captain Sisko, Ben Sisko, he gets fooled by a guy. He, there was actually a spy working for him. And he, got yeah. fooled, and he got fooled by the guy. Yeah, and there's a so. scene where his, yeah, his best friend is holding the punching bag, and he is punching the crap out of this thing because he's so pissed that he got beat and she's like holding on to the thing and she's getting like lifted up into the ground trying to hold this and he's he's wailing just all this excessive energy and when you think back one of the best things about a story is to see the progression of a character you want to see this like meek little quiet little girl in the first time you ever see her and she ends as this very powerful you know leader you know you you want to see a full progression of a character over the course of, of a run of a story and if you think of this as one huge story hermione starts off as the you have a dot on your nose did you know that this very obnoxious bookworm who couldn't possibly look beyond her book and she ends as this you know because of these boys that she met and how her life changed at this place she become she became this very different person she became this person who took chances who took risks who is no longer happy anymore doing what she did before she has her dream job she's doing research she hates it that's not who she is anymore so i love the fact that by the end of this i can't remember who was holding the punching bag was it napoleon uh so is it napoleon you know napoleon's holding the punching bag and you know this is hermione the bookworm and she is punching the crap out of you know because she's just so pissed and she's so angry at the way her life has turned out and what she's lost i find it incredibly believable that Hermione may act, quote-unquote, like Ginny at times. Because look what Hermione's been through in this story. She, yeah. Ron was murdered. Harry vanished one day. You know, he's like he went to get the paper and never came back. They had a fight before he left. It's she, just you know, horrific. No, I hate that. It's like she's had every awful type of loss there is. And in both times, she's lost these two boys who are very close to her. She left, lost Ron right after they had sex, you know, right after this beautiful, wonderful moment. You know, he's taken... And, you know, there's a note left. Here's where you can find the body. And, you know, he's brutalized and she loses him. And now she had this fight with Harry and now she's lost him. And she she feels a sense of emptiness and she's the last one standing. And think of Harry. When he lost Hermione or so he thought, he just crumbled to the floor of a cell in the fetal position. And think of Hermione. She has to go on every day for, for two years. and I'm sorry, for two months. And it's this awful, awful, awful thing. So I can believe that Hermione won't act much like canon Hermione because she's not canon Hermione. But I think what's important is it's not like canon Hermione who's been a successful florist for 10 years. And all of a sudden she's beating the crap out of people. She's been pushed and she's been challenged. And I think it's been documented very well. So I think I can believe that very well. Yeah, I just, it was a part, there was a point at some point, I don't know where it was in the fic that um, Hermione's talking about this lost little child on platform three nine and three quarters and i'm like but hermione wasn't there it was Ginny that saw that 
that one threw me right out. Wherever it was, I saw that. I was just like, Hermione doesn't know that. She didn't meet him till on the train, you know. So that one annoyed me. But but I can see what you're saying about that other. That's fair. I mean, you could even you could even argue. Oh, I heard the story about the boy of the plot. But yeah, you wouldn't use <laughs> yeah. That expression if you weren't actually. True. Yeah. That that is very true. Jen's like, you people are ruining my story. I love it. <laughs> well. To me, that's the first real like change up that we know that happened in canon that didn't happen in the story, you know. So I'll, I'll let that one go. <laughs> that one's actually that did happen, and they the author changed it. What was that? Um, oh, okay. did, did that actually get changed in the story? Well, no, but, Je- but she's right. Jenny was there. It wasn't Hermione. Okay, I thought you were saying that there was other scenes where they like changed the canon to make it so Hermione. Creepy. No, I, I think I that- just. People have said a few things like, um, you know, they, they don't remember that that didn't happen yet. Like the Ron and Hermione established relationship didn't happen mm-hmm. until, you know. No, I'm just well, saying that I can see how Hermione becomes the p- kind of person who's going to, you know, punch bags and stuff like Ryan was saying. And she's going to change because she's had all this stuff happen to her. But that one part was the bit that I couldn't believe because it, that was irrefutable from book one. That Hermione wasn't there. She didn't meet them till halfway to Hogwarts. So well, she can't have good. talked about the, this kid on Platform 9 and 3 quarters. That. If that's the best we got, we got we're doing pretty well, too, because that could be just misconstrued as a throwaway line. Where was well. that line, anyway? Because that always goes on. I don't know. I just remember thinking, ah, oh, because that is this favorite thing in, in HG fix. And it annoys me because everyone keeps going on about how Ginny saw him. She was 10 for crying out loud. She was falling romantically in love with this lost little kid who's, you know, skinny with glass and stuff. And they always talk about how it's so wonderful and she met him on the platform and she fell in love with him then because he looked so lost. And I'm like, I don't fall in love at 10 with kids who look no. lost. You know, I <laughs> and think, you look weird, dude. You know? <laughs> So when that that turned up at some point in this fic, and I went, ah, oh, was oh. like, ah. <laughs> that lost little boy. He'd never been there before. No, Hagrid abandoned him. There was no map available. But um, can I just say this? This is. I just want to point this out now, Harry. Uh, now, okay. First, let me just do this. I want to cover this. Can we please talk about? And I, I feel like sometimes I act like I don't like the chapters. I loved these chapters. I I love these chapters so much, I put away my iPod and I read. Because I can Whoa. read faster. Wow, read that's faster. like a first, Ryan. That's this a real the, compliment there, yeah. Can seriously. I say this? This is the first time I've actually read fan fiction on Potterfic Week. <laughs> that is ridiculous. <laughs> and I was getting pissed off. This is Harry and his 50 Asians. He loved them. <laughs> I'm like, oh god, it's like a Chinese person. <laughs> Now, Draco Malfoy is Gerald. Yes. Right. Find Draco that out. Malfoy. Yes. Now, Hermione's like, ew. And <laughs> Harry's like, I'm very upset with this Draco. I'm very, very, very upset. But he did it as he's a good guy. You have to remember. Like, although what he did was sneaky and horrible, he's a good person. On the good side. I feel like he oh, raped Hermione. Why should I not feel that way? You know what I did? I was reading it. I'm sitting there in my lounge room, and I'm reading it, and I've come out that Gerald was Draco, and I actually physically said in the middle of reading it, I went, oh, oh, oh. I actually did that. <laughs> yeah. I had a physical reaction to this idea that Hermione had been sleeping with Draco. Polyjuice. And then yeah. you have... 
Well, my first reaction was, yay, my first Draco Hermione pick. But, like, literally, like, Hermione's in the shower, remember, with the bench and the tall potted plants, and she's, like, grabbing the overhead water spout, and she's, like, you know, like, sticking it in her eyes to wash her eyes out. And she's, like, you know, she's, like, sticking boiling. She's, like, boiling skin off just because she feels like... Then she finds that she's slept with Draco Malfoy. She's incinerating all her clothes. No, but at that point, because she didn't know who he was, she didn't know who she was with. And then she found out it was Draco, and her reaction was, like, ugh. I think really that Harry, as a wizard and as a friend, would have done, like, background checks on all her dates. You would think so. You know, you would think. He probably did. He came back as a very nice encyclopedia <laughs> <Dead> salesman. person. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> he died a year ago. What the hell are you doing? Well, that was the thing that got me about that scene. Everyone's like, what the hell are you talking about? He died a year ago. I'm like, why does no one assume she hasn't talked to him in 18 months? Why is everyone like, you liar? <laughs> but, um, but I love that. It's like Harry walks over and punches Draco. Because he's like, I feel compelled to do something. And then they get back, and they're all, you know, if they're back at the manor or whatever. They're out later on. They're at the... They're at the... Where are they? The, the reunion. Sec- the, 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 wherever they are. And Harry's like, I'm very, very, very upset. I'm not happy with this at all. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I miss Ron. Because Ron would be so stubborn, he would just have to kill him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, I bitched about Ron and his goddamn temper. Thought. Yeah, keep yeah, that like, thought. Oh, God. Ooh, oh. <laughs> My best Etai impression. But, you know what? It's like, are you all right? Did Keza just die, Keza? Keza! Keza. Did you hear that? It was like fluid just filling up in her lungs. Keza. Gosh, Keza? thunderstorm came through. Keza. Keza, it's an audio medium. It's kind of required. You okay? Well, while we're waiting on Keza, have y'all still seen here, the new Harry Potter trailer? Oh. I did. <laughs> Jen's so disappointed. Jen wants to talk. Jen, Dude, yeah, that's Jen. Jen, that, that, that love... kid is so scary. Is he not like the freaking Omen kid? I love oh my the trailer. God. How good it's does it look? So good. So it's good. the best trailer I think Harry Potter's come out with. It's not even the full trailer. That's the, that's the best teaser I know, trailer that's by the far. Teaser. Isn't the real? That's not the one that's going to be in The Mummy, right? There's going to be a, another one on The Mummy. I don't know. Have you seen it, Ryan? I have seen it. I loved the lack of Emma Watson. I thought Dumbledore looked a little bit like a dweeb, but it like was I have okay. First, the movie down Ryan's throat. Now, now, it wasn't. It wasn't Dumbledore. It was Gambin. Don't, that don't, 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 don't uh, impugn the character. I love Aaron over here. I love Aaron over here. I really want to see Dumbledore go flying over the raptures. <laughs> I don't know. I, I cannot wait. <laughs> well, can I tell you now? I want you to say this. When you see Snape shoot that Avada Kedavra curse and blow Dumbledore away, remember, kids, it's a hate crime. <laughs> <laughs> That's horrible. We can't laugh. That's horrible. But... <laughs> I, I am gonna, we can't laugh. <laughs> there is a, there's a strong possibility I will cheer when that happens in the theater, though. I probably uh, will, too. And we'll be getting many, many shocked looks from the people around me. You mean Dumbledore dies at the end? What? Oh, I'm sorry. I shouldn't have spoiled it. <laughs> On the Harry Potter podcast. It's okay. We'll just put spoiler alerts. <laughs> <laughs> did you listen to the, um, the oh. leaky episode where they had the set? The, the, they got the um, someone who'd seen an advanced copy of Order of the Phoenix, and it, Melissa wasn't there, so they didn't have the spoiler music, so they just had oh, Sue scream, spoiler, spoiler, spoiler. spoiler. <laughs> that was before I started listening to it, but yeah. I remember that. But, um, oh, God. Uh, oh, that was funny. Good times. All right, but back to the fic. All right, Jen, you take it for a while if you want. Okay. 
Because if you don't, I will, and we don't want I'm that. trying to Actually, think where, we, where, where, where we were before I started talking about the trailer. All right, I'm uh, just going to say this. Hermione not being upset about Draco. Yes. Yeah. So, so now, does it seem like everyone else now? What, okay, let's do round robin. Shiny first. Did Draco rape Hermione? Discuss. Yes and no. I mean, it's not like it, it depends if you're seeing it from her viewpoint or from Harry's viewpoint. Because when you go on further into the fic, she says that she's not angry about it, so Harry can be angry about it. And it, it's kind of off the topic that you suggested, but. That goes back to, like, her reaction is, oh, my God, and then it's kind of over with. And she just kind of lets it go and lets Harry pick it up as something that Harry can do for her. Like, because Harry's mad, she can just ignore how bad she feels about it. Okay. I don't think necessarily that it's right, because it's not like she was an unwilling partner. Well, no, I don't want to imply that he literally but- raped her. But there's a difference between... You know, I'm a get, I'm a multi-millionaire, come home and sleep with me, and then you find out I work at the local Walmart. Like, there's people, you know, embellish, you know, maybe to pick up a woman or something. This is, hi, I'm your worst enemy. By the way, take me home with you. I'm a cute little encyclopedia salesman. Well, it's, it's absolutely it, separate. It's icky, for sure, but it's, I, I don't think it could be considered rape. Cause, I I mean, I'm sure Harry has done the same stuff in his spy work. <laughs> I mean, like it's true. What was that movie with Arnold Schwarzenegger where he has true his mask like be a prostitute? Yes. <laughs> don't worry, Hermione. <laughs> don't, don't worry, Hermione. I too have slept with Draco Malfoy. So, okay. <laughs> then all of your virginities would be gone. She consented to the act, right? But she didn't yes. consent to do it with Draco. And then I don't know. She, truck. she would have been like, I wonder if she knew it was Draco, would she have given him a chance? I don't think so. According, well, <laughs> I don't think so. No. He was nice, you know? So I, I she, she thought Draco was, was dead, so it would have been necrophilia. Emotion. <laughs> well, Gerald is dead, too, so maybe she just has so a face. She just didn't necrophilia. Well, I love it later on when Hermione's like to, to Laura, Harry's wonderful in bed. And I'm like, well, your last two guys were dead. So <laughs> Not our last two. Just two out of what, I think five or something like that. But I, I think, on a serious... Her, her history is worse than <laughs> yeah. the dead guy. <laughs> and Abel, don't forget Abel. Ron, who yeah, don't forget Abel. Who the hell is Abel? The, the guy between Horace and Gerald. Yeah, right. How could you forget that? No, I remember him, but I remember thinking, who the hell is that? And they're like, yeah, he was a little weird. It's like, you... Oh, my God. I can actually buy Hermione's reaction there because she did consent to it. It's more... It's kind of removed and... Yeah, no, I'm not going to say anymore. Well, no, it is. I think kind of feel let's just say I can buy it, and we'll leave it at that. Okay. <laughs> my, my last thing is, if it was, like, Neville undercover... And she, he, he was so apologetic, but he had to do this, and it was natural security. could never do that. Yeah, but, you know what I mean? But the fact that it's, like, her most hated enemy, it's, like, a violation. And it's, ooh. And it's like but she's like rough who would be willing to go all the way. And she's learning I mean, now that he's on he side. No, yeah, well, that's true, but I don't know. That, 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 that's the one thing I had difficulty. You know what it was? Her reaction was so, and maybe, the, like, I'm trusting from what Rachel said that there's going to be more on that later. Her reaction just seems so freaking muted, and even Harry's reaction seems so freaking muted up to chapter three of, of story that I was just like, mm, okay, I, I just had difficulty buying it. But one thing I did love, which I just want, I've been trying to get out of here, is Harry has to explain to Hermione that he is a mage. 
And I think that his explanation is an incredible, number one, explanation. Number two, potential Match.com bio. (laughs) I can do a lot of things, but some of the major ones include influencing other people's minds, controlling the weather, manipulation of matter and objects, immunity to many curses and attacks, accelerated healing, and certain attack skills. And I'm just thinking, okay, and you let fake Hermione die, and you didn't do anything to... But more than once, he admits that he doesn't really have control over them. They're kind of something that he learns in bits and pieces, and sometimes he knows what he's doing, and sometimes he doesn't. So maybe what his issue was in with letting Hermione die was, well, I don't know what I can do with my powers right now. He doesn't understand being a mage more than anybody else does at this point in time. I don't know, he seems a little too comfortable flying to the gala. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, and he gave sorry his broom, because he certainly didn't need it. He's like, come on, Hermione, and they just... <laughs> it, it is a little bit, uh, he's been hiding this from everybody, and then suddenly he's, oh, I'll just fly to wherever. Yeah. <laughs> Everyone's laughing. All right, I am going horse again. Someone else pick it up. I want to talk about Justin and George. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> I keep going this. Going off together. I have so got something going on. I don't know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking when I was reading it. I just was like, and they go out on the town, memory charming people. What is the line that Ryan had in his notes? I'll know uh, where George is like, I'll knock up. Knock up Cho and Justin. <laughs> it's when he wakes up on Christmas morning. I'll knock up Cho and Justin. I'm like, ooh, my first imprint. <laughs> no, no. Uh, so time. wrong. I'm picturing, like, you know, Justin, like, I'm just picturing George on the ground. You know what I'm picturing? I'm picturing Justin and George's, like, Justin's friend comes over the house, and he wanders through the house aimlessly for a couple hours, and he finally finds people, because the house is so huge. And, he, and Justin's like, oh, Bob, would you like to stay for dinner? George is cooking. And you look outside at one of the many, on the starboard veranda, George is out there with the grill. <laughs> and he turns around, and George is, like, in his little, you know, khaki shorts on with, like, that, like, with, you know, his little straw hat on. He's like, I'm making kebabs. So, like, I'm just, like, I don't know. Dude, and the, and the, and the t-shirt that says, kiss the cook, and, you know. <laughs> <It's the cook>. <laughs> <laughs> Can I just tell you, when, when, when fake Hermione is right in front of, um, Allegra, Allegra's like, how could you love her? She's wearing khakis. <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's just... <sighs> what a khaki. What a khakis. What are they? Oh, they're, um... Oh, they're, pants. They're, they're, yeah, they're brown pants. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, were, were, were you laughing at that scene, not knowing exactly what khakis were? Well, I knew that they were an item of clothing, but I'm like, I'm thinking, like, army pants, like, camouflage. What's the other... What's the other article of clothing that, that they, she criticizes? This is her, you know, her she, like, cardigan set or something, I think. Oh, okay. <laughs> she was wearing a cardigan. <laughs> <laughs> I missed that completely. I think, I think I that's what it was. Really what, has she has chambray on, didn't she? That's At it. At some point? A chambray shirt and oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, I, I guess they were pants, but I was just yeah. like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> They're kind of uh, not uh, stylish, more, you know. I was thinking army wear, you know. Well, she's going on a rescue mission. You think she would have dressed for it like an all black with like the black coat on? And <laughs> well, she was. She had just come from catacombs in Philadelphia, so you know, she That's, she probably wasn't dressing her finest. <laughs> she still got her Mary Janes on, and uh, it's just it, it did not end well for her. 
Nope. <laughs> I thought she wore dogs. Yeah, her dogs. Yeah, she had dogs. No, those were just those were her swing shoes, though. No, she got transfigured into swing shoes. <laughs> she went to Very rescue Harry. She went to rescue <laughs> Harry with her swing shoes. <laughs> you know what I find really yeah, annoying? Awesome. And now a number. <laughs> In order to evade everybody, they start swing dancing and like makes them all. Uh, the, when they're, they're trying to do this, um, the spell. They just start swing dancing. All the circles are like, "Wow, I've never seen anybody dance like that before." <laughs> the Death Eaters are like, "Maybe we shouldn't kill him." And like Allegra is like stomping her foot, clapping like. No, that's like the Irish dig. I know it really is. dance or something. I can't do swing dancing in my music. All right, I'm looking over some of my other notes here. Another line which I just thought really bugged me was when Harry is explaining his mage powers to Hermione after he releases his Match.com bio. Harry says, "And let's not forget the magic I would later learn to use was strong enough at age one to save me from Voldemort." Hermione says, I thought your mother's sacrifice did that. And Harry's like, nah, it helped, but that alone would not have saved me. I'm like, screw you. That's the best thing in the canon. It's the sacrifice of love. Harry's like, no, it's because I'm a maid. It's because I'm badass. <laughs> He's like doing bad-ass. his prayers. Not as badass as, as Draco, but still very badass. You do a search for the word badass on your word processor and it comes up with like 71 hits. <laughs> <laughs> on your word processor? Of course, what? he didn't have a bandolier, so he couldn't what? be nearly as badass as Draco. <laughs> no, I, I did a search for the word badass in the story. It's like, 71 entries found. I'm like, oh, she likes badass. Nice. Oh. <laughs> Who is Itai? Oh. <laughs> I love Itai. Everyone loves Itai. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I, was, yeah, I, I don't know. I think we've gone back and forth, but I wanted to talk about when Harry proposes. And they're at the lake, and he throws her the ring. And I'm thinking, what What about if they lost it? You know? <laughs> <laughs> and she's dying to have And he drops it, and they're, like, they're looking for the resurrection stuff. Like, where is it? <laughs> it falls in, like, the little... It falls in Ron's grave, and they have to go and have to lose. <laughs> That's not funny. It wasn't his grave. I it was know. just the place where he died. Well, okay, can we just point. talk? I know, I've, I know I've talked about this a little bit, but it's such a beautiful scene where they go there, and it's the first time they've ever dealt with the, with the, Ron's death, and they've they've discussed it before, but they've never grieved together, and they just both drop, and they cry, and they hold each other, and they and they just get it all out, and they scream, and they just they just get every, all of these awful feelings, and they lay Ron to rest, and, and they get all everything out, and they're finally at peace with the death of Ron, and they're so happy, they've just Decided, this place <laughs> of toxic evil shall now be known for something good. They just have sex on the uh, spot. It's like, no, you uh, can't. Like, like I'm just picturing that. It's like having sex on the Normandy beach uh, they, to say at least something good happened here. No, they follow up the that. having sex where Ron died. They go to Godric's Hollow, have sex where Harry's parents died. They. Uh, <laughs> oh uh, my god! It's 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 that scene just killed me. But then, all right, let's talk about this. I love Kez's response, too. Harry gives her the ring. He's like, how, oh, I can afford it. Don't worry. They used to live in a closet. Hold on. We're, Jen's getting very pissed off with my coverage to the fic. Jen, you take it. No, I'm just... What What did I... What was I just yelling? I don't even remember. <laughs> I'm just steam, obviously. I'm, just, like, sitting here, like, by the minute. Minute passes. And then, what was I just screaming about, though? Jen was like, oh. It's not, they're um, not his grave. It's not his grave. No, not that part. Wait, oh, I he's rich. Yes. Yeah, 
it's not a big deal. Maybe it was a family heirloom. Maybe Lily had a bling bling or something. I, <laughs> I don't know. I give you my dead mother's bling bling as we have sex on the side of our dear departed mom. That's right. I'm telling you. <laughs> it's like a good luck charm. <laughs> oh. That's why they went because they had the lean years and they couldn't afford anything. So I'm like, where was all his money then? It was he tied was up in yeah, it was 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 tied up in investments. <laughs> Gringotts was closed for a long time. And no ability to access his money. Well, it's not like he had, uh, you know, friend George's store to invest in at this point. So yeah. maybe he just spent it all on crap. And But didn't they have him, like, in the end, they said, that, you know, Fred and George did open the store. Did they? Oh, they did and then it they went under, something. yeah. And like, and <laughs> oh, that's right. Which, there was uh, a big stock market crash. Harry lost all his galleons. <laughs> that's what happened. <laughs> they just all this mo- very good. He bought, he bought the ring with the swing dancing wings. <laughs> 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 so, they, they just uh, melted the trophies. Well, then the thing is that you go back, you, you go back into the gala, you go back into the gala, and you have um, little Charlie. I love cute kids. You have Charlie who's playing with Hermione, and she wants to know where where Gerald is. Oh, Gerald's not coming back. Oh, you know, like like you know, Harry's the new Gerald now, and she's like, oh, and like even she saw it coming. And I love the point where McGonagall. You know, where, where Harry, you know, can tell, where McGonagall sees them holding hands and says, Oh, I always knew you two would get together. And they, like, scream at her. They're like, Why does everyone keep saying that? No, God damn it. And then Snape's like, I never thought you would get together. I thought you were the worst couple ever. Yeah. Like, no, thanks, Snape. Good job, Snape. I love how he even calls him Snape. He's like, Thanks, Snape. This is for you. He was like, I'm just glad that Snape feels comfortable to give his two cents. <laughs> relationship. I mean, that's so in character. It's so exactly. Well, it's, he's not even Snape. He's just like he's, he's McGonagall's sidekick. Like, he's, <laughs> he's a little bit like McGonagall's sidekick. This. He's wearing the tights and the Robin outfit. <laughs> <laughs> it's all in black. <laughs> and then Harry. Well, apparently Harry's out with his mage powers now because Charlie's like, "Make me fly!" And he like sends her up to the roof of the Great Hall and just flopping around and then up there. He just has to give Justin a long look, and Charlie. Doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> she accidentally like bumps her head and dies, and he's like, and everyone glares. All of a sudden, what kid? We didn't have a kid. We have a kid. <laughs> You're gonna find out at the end of the story. So we've got the Justin is the ultimate bad guy. And he's gonna manipulate. <laughs> Justin is the master. <laughs> Justin's the Haitian. I'm actually picturing a Haitian now in Blaze of Justin. I'm actually picturing a Haitian. Do you watch? Do you watch Heroes? No. Do you watch Heroes? There's a guy. Okay, there's a guy on Heroes who is looking for all of the people who have special powers, and he has a sidekick who's this Haitian guy who never speaks. That he just has to glare at you, and you'll forget everything. So I'm just picturing Justin glaring. You never really know because they never show what the Haitian how he works. It's like they never show how Siler eats brains or whatever it is that he does. That is true. We never examines brains. That the the name of his race of people, oh, people people yeah. from Haiti, people from Haiti. Oh, <laughs> hey, really? I thought his name was from Haiti. No, he's from Haiti. I didn't even know there was a place called Haiti. <laughs> I thought that was another word for hell. 
Hades is spelled with a T. Last week, last week, Anne's talking about God and she's like, God, you're reading Oh, God. Oh, God. Who is Haitia? It's Haiti. It's a country off the coast of Florida. They have a really. It's in the United States. No, it's in the where? It's in the Caribbean, isn't it? It's um, is that where is Haiti? Yeah, isn't it a little island? Yeah, it's in the Caribbean. It's in the Caribbean. All this time, I thought you were just saying Hessian in some kind of weird American accent. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <coughs> good thing we clarify these things for everybody. <laughs> I didn't know we had to Hold on, so you, you're obsessed with heroes. Did you think that was like the devil the whole time? Did I didn't know. I thought his name was Haitian. It's, it's the Haitian. I kept going, why why did he say the Haitian? This, this is the Bob, people explain to you. Yeah, so... Oh, Jen, I love you. Oh, God. All right, so, Harry, you know, Charlie bumps her and everyone forgets she existed. But whatever. So then Harry goes up, and Harry is giving the um, the speech, and he looks to Hermione, and Hermione nods. He's like, I know you, you, you thought that, you know, Hermione was my girlfriend. She is not. And they're all like... <gasps> And he's like, we're getting married. And the crowd goes wild. It's like the scene from the Chamber of Secrets movie where everyone's inexplicably cheering. <laughs> Yay, Hagrid's here. Hagrid. All right, Hagrid. <laughs> and I'm waiting for Harry to be like, Harry standing there all cocky, like, we just had sex. And <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> the spot where our dear friend Ron died, and Molly's like, ew. <laughs> <laughs> Molly's crying into her handkerchief. <laughs> oh, my God. Could you imagine if Arthur and Bolly came down to, like, visit the site and bring flowers? Oh, my, oh my God. Never have kids, never have sex outdoors. This is just, it's a bad idea. Oh, my God, my stomach hurts. Oh, God. Uh, well, we're almost done with this, the first uh, part. One scene I just want to bring up, because I thought it was a really great scene, was when Harry, you know, jumps up there, you know, and, and does, we're getting married, and we just, okay, he didn't say the second part. But when he, you know, dips Hermione and gives her the, you know, the big kiss on the lips, Sirius, you know, becomes very distraught, and he kind of excuses himself and wanders off, and Harry goes after him, and they're, and they're in the Gryffindor common room, which I thought was interesting, considering they don't have the password, but whatever. <laughs> so they're in the common room. And I thought it was a great moment where, because I've never really seen this done in the fic before. And when I read fics, I usually look for that one moment I never considered that kind of adds to my understanding of the characters in the canon. And Sirius is upset because something that reminded him very much of James and Lily as friends. And we've just read uh, With All My Love by Lady Chi, and we've read Shoebox before. So, you know, we get the fact that, you know, the Marauders was just that vibe, some of people who were just so incredibly close to each other during their Hogwarts years. And Sirius is something very interesting. He says, look, Harry, I know they were your parents. I know you miss them, but you miss having parents. I miss the people that you never had the opportunity to meet. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was just a very point. And and unfortunately, I I remember when I read it, the way it was written didn't tremendously, tremendously impressed me. I thought the, the writing was kind of stilted and at times it, the dialogue just seemed clunky. It didn't seem like the characters would actually be saying that. But I thought that the, the intent of the scene was really tremendous. And I think it, that was a really great point 
to bring up here. You know, Sirius is he's married and he has two kids and the dog and well he has one kid now and Harry unfortunately bumped the other one's head into the ceiling. <laughs> but you know he's you know he's he's got he he got through Azkaban. He's like the he's the president of the world and literally and you know he he's done very well for himself but he just misses his oldest friends and when he looks at his godson he sees his oldest friend. I thought there's just a great moment. I mean But he knows the, Harry can understand because of Ron. Exactly, because Ron is, is that loss that Harry had that he can never get over, and they do share that. You're absolutely right. I just thought what I'm specifically was very impressed by was Sirius saying, look, Harry, I know you... Because with Harry, his parents are... You know the Achilles heel. There, you know, whenever some, whenever someone lost their parents, you're like, you never. It's like the the elephant in the room. You don't mention that because it's this awful. Like, it's like I have a cousin who lost a baby, and it's this gaping wound. It's like you don't know. Do you mention the baby because they had, you know, many happy memories with the baby? But it's it's one of those things where it's questionable. And I thought it was very interesting that Sirius took that on very respectfully and said, "Harry, I know you are upset you lost your parents, but you have to realize you." There's a dog in here. You, you have to realize <laughs> that you, sorry. you don't miss your you, you miss having parents, but you didn't know them. And for the last, you see this dog really is in on this. And you and you have to understand, Harry. Over the last eighteen years, you haven't asked anyone any questions about your parents either, so you don't seem very just, you know <laughs> curious about it. But I I just thought that was a really great point for for Sirius to make. I thought that was a really I think it broadened the characterization. I think that's something I'll pull with me when I look at the canon from now on. So I was very impressed by that. Yeah. Yeah. I really, that's just a really deep statement to go. (laughs) I totally agree. I like that that shows not, you know, that other side of Sirius. Like you have to remember that was his friends. I mean, that was people who knew him the best and grow. I mean, you think about Ron, I'm sure the Weasleys all miss him and they, you know, but they miss him as a son or a brother, but they didn't know him. Right. Yeah. And, um, no, that's very true. And I think one of the things that, uh, Laurie does very well is even if I have issues with the dialogue points, she doesn't take, like, sometimes I feel like maybe with some of the, with the romantic scenes, sometimes it becomes classic fluff, but she always puts an interesting slant and she makes the characters take, um, more difficult positions. Like, I love the moment where Harry is recalling, you know, seeing Ron with the, with the scar, you know, carved into his forehead and he, he remembers thinking i can't let hermione see that it's a very selfish reason it's you you originally think it's you know when you when you see it from her perspective earlier it's to shield hermione from seeing something terrible and you don't want to remember ron like this and you can't see this is too gruesome on some level it's i don't want you to see this because you'll hate me because i feel like this is my fault and what's very interesting is hermione doesn't know she wouldn't have thought that I think it's it, number one. It says a lot about Hermione that she can she can recognize that she may have those failings, that she may have that level of emotional short sightedness. I think it's very interesting that Harry thought that. I think that scene I think added a lot to my understanding of Laurie's impression of the characters as well. Um, I don't necessarily think that Harry thought that of Hermione. I think that was one of his greatest fears. I think that's a self inflicted fear. I think he acted on the fear, though. I think one of the reasons he shielded her from seeing him was because he was afraid. And I think Hermione said that Hermione's impression was that may not have been, you know, an unjustified fear. Maybe I would have blamed you. Maybe I would have been so emotionally distraught that, like, and I think that's a very brave thing for Hermione to think. I mean, look at Deathly Hallows, Ron and Deathly Hallows. 
he's not under you know alien influence. He makes a cowardly decision and he makes up for that, but he does abandon his friends. People sometimes do the wrong thing, and I think Hermione was saying, I may have done the wrong thing there. Yeah, I agree. No, you don't. <laughs> I disagree. What? I do, okay. actually. Okay, well, Kronk disagrees. Why do you disagree? I don't. I just, uh, just uh, disagree. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> it's so much love in. Everybody's been... I agree, I agree. I felt, felt the need to be a, a dissonant I know, for once. I know, it's like the Soviet Union in here, guys. It's okay. <laughs> But, um, I think it's those kind of things that might give um, validity to it because it's not she's not just romping through fields of daisies. Oh, Harry and Hermione are together. It's so wonderful and everything. She's given reasons for why stuff has happened and explained. It's so hard to talk about this without giving away. Yeah, That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, you have to edit. We're having to edit. <laughs> well, let me even say this, too, because I want to... Um, just get into some of the scenes that I like, love later on. You know, Hermione. Now, can I just tell you, all I can picture now is Judy Dench as Harry's boss. Thank you very much. For oh, yeah. 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 Well, then it was funny because the night that we did that, I went to see the, uh, the the night we recorded the last one, or the night after we recorded the last one, I went to see the Batman movie, and Judy Dench was in the uh, 007 preview. And yeah. I leaned over to Danielle, and I'm like, I know her. <laughs> because we had just talked about it. it was oh, Batman great. movie? Yeah, the Batman movie. She was in the uh, trailer for 007. You didn't tell me. I would have made you talk about it with me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But um, I'm just looking through my notes here. Apparently, at one point, someone uses the phrase brazen hussy, to which I remark, ooh, that's the new expression for scarlet woman. Yes, brazen hussy. Yeah. I like that. Definitely Miss Weasley-esque there. Another concern I had was that when Hermione, uh, or when her name came up in the deck and she got, you know, a, let me just ask you this. The scene where, you know, okay, Hermione is going to go work, you know, for Harry's organization. Her card came up on the deck. Hermione gets to be a spy. I don't know why, but the dialogue in that scene, I felt like I was in an actual job interview. It was like a page or, you know, several paragraphs of, of Harry explaining why Hermione couldn't work for her. And I felt like he was reading her the brochure or, like, the corporate language on, you know, fraternization in the workplace. I'm like, uh... I, I just felt like that, that one... It just... It, it was, like, one line of, Hermione, you can't work for me. I'm, like, your husband. It's not fair. Oh, okay. But it's, like, 17 paragraphs on why that's not appropriate. I'm like, I think I get <laughs> But thank you. Thank you for running me through that. I'll stop by HR in the morning. Oh, and see if it's logical. The same thing and he knows that he would have to speak to her very logically. And can I ask you this? Was I the only one concerned about Stella? Stella! <laughs> Stella is unemployed. She's a homeless woman. Poor Stella is unemployed. It's, wait, who is Stella? <laughs> Come on, Come on secretary. Do you remember in the first one where she decides to go to the ministry to visit Harry? She's like, Stella, I'll be back in an hour, and she jumps out the window. Wait, isn't she like the secretary? Yes, she's now unemployed. She'll just go. She'll just go to the pool, or she'll and she'll be on the, the next uh, director of whatever place was that Hermione didn't like. I don't know if I were Stella. Well, my my prediction now is Stella is actually master. <laughs> yes, this is. Who else could be the master? It could be anybody. Justin, for example. I'm well, <laughs> Justin's the master. He's fucking. It's gonna be watch. Well, it's gonna be Fred. He's so jealous of Justin. <laughs> I don't even remember. Oh, oh. Wait, yes, I oh, now I know who the master is, and I remember. Uh, but uh, <laughs> like, who is the master again? Oh, yeah. The master is not who you expect, or is it? <laughs> it's like a Spanish. What are those shows? Those Mexican novellas? 
called? Oh, God. Do you know uh, what I'm talking what about? It's, yeah. Betty is based off of one of them. Oh, God. What's that one? There's a, there's, oh, God. Like a soap opera. <laughs> yeah, the Spanish soap operas. I forget what the, what Spanish, the term is. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember what the term is. Oh, well. <laughs> All right, so that kind of brings us to the end of uh, the first installment, Paradigm of Uncertainty. I think, have we covered everything we want to cover in Paradigm? Yeah, that was a good oh, opening. No, one, one oh, more thing. What? Napoleon Jones. Napoleon <laughs> Jones, my favorite character. Can I just say Harry's response is so... He's like, oh, hell no. He's <laughs> like... Like, I have to tell you, Harry in the books is usually, he reminds me of, like, a liberal pacifist. He, like, walks over and just hugs people because he's just so nice and he loves everybody. And, he, you know, the Dursleys beat him, but he, he doesn't have a vengeful bone in his body. And that's why he's like, that damn kid with his stupid... Like, he reminds me of, like, an old fart. He's like, <laughs> he's like John Wayne. Just damn kids with their like, rock and roll music. damn kids, disrespect, and, you know, what are they teaching in the schools now? He's got metal in his How face. How old are you, Harry? But he's 26 and a half, and it's like... stupid <laughs> kid these days. And it's like, um, like, I think it's so funny, too. So then he, like, tries to, like, or, like order him to fight him so Harry can beat his ass, and, like, Harry ends up on his ass, and I'm like, ha-ha. It's just... <laughs> I just want to jump ahead. Like, I don't want to jump too far ahead, but this is... um. When now obviously as we enter into uh, story into the second installment, very angsty right from the beginning. Yep. Harry, well, the first scene actually bored me to tears because it was actually the scene where they sit there and they go through the entire like round table of everyone. Let's introduce yourselves, and there's like seventy seven people in the room. <laughs> so I'm like reading it, I'm like, oh my god, get back to McGonagall, and it's like they're going around, and it's like you know like. Susan Thompson, I'm the driver. Okay, welcome, Susan. Hi, Susan. It's like, like, Jesus Christ. It's like, we know who you are. We went to school here for 12 years, but... um, Well, it's such a study of the importance of that. Everyone at this table is somebody of of great importance. And because they're so important, we're going to introduce you to everybody. But anyway, you know, these (laughs) chapters are incredibly angsty. And it's, honestly, I was saying this, Jen, when uh, we were putting you on your cell phone. The big thing for me that I... so if this happens in a fic, I don't care if it's the fic, you know, I read earlier. What was the thing? Oh, what was the thing I was saying earlier? It was the, um, oh, hang on. What was the thing I, oh, it was I actually read that fic before? The, the thing where you said that if, if a, a fic has a, a, a mystery that that takes them like 20 chapters to solve, that you're into it. No, what was the thing I said where something awfully stupid happened in the story and I had actually read that in a real fic before? Oh, wow. Oh. Uh, well, oh. having Harry's baby after this. Yes. Yes. Oh, it's yeah, like it's the, yes. nightmare. Yes. Yeah, it's like, well, oh, God, Jen, that's ending up in the episode bumper. <laughs> but, um. Why does Jen not realize, like, I'm recording everything she's saying? He does this but, on uh, purpose. Yes, he does. Yes, Jen. I mean, like, yes. <laughs> yes, Jen, I forced you to say impregnate me, because that could not be used. You know? I hate you. <laughs> uh. <laughs> It's like, if I'm reading the awful story where Harry knows he has 20 minutes to live, so his his one mission in life is to get, you know, Hermione and any other it, woman in range pregnant in the 20 minutes to carry on this good work. I mean, like, I'll finish that story if it is so angsty I can't put it down. And usually, like, some of the fics I've read like that are uh, Veil of Memories by uh, Swish and Flick, Seventh Year Fic. Mm-hmm. There's a mystery. Something's happening at Hogwarts and people are disappearing. It's like that freaking Next Generation episode with Beverly Crusher and everything yeah. vanishing. And I just watched it the other day. It's wonderful. It's and, the episode. Um, 
Yeah, remember Wesley saves the day. Oh, he always saves. Well, I love at the end when Wesley collapsed to the floor and everyone went, oh, Beverly's back, and they forget he's there for like half an hour. And then she thanks everyone in the room and her son's still like falling on the floor. He can't breathe. But, um, you know, like episodes like that where there's a mystery, something's happening and we can't figure out what it is. I mean, um, that thing was very much like it. Uh, the second uh, Phoenix Serpent. Psychic Serpent. Psychic Serpent. What the, the time of good intentions. The guy, time of good intentions. Uh, psychic Serpent. You know, there's a mystery. There's something that needs to be solved. Something has changed. It's not right. We have to fix this. I can't stop reading it until it's fixed. And I don't remember why I just started to say that. Because uh, you're comparing. The- I've got. Yes, I've got. And when you look at this, you know, Harry is missing, and you see Hermione you go through this gut-wrenching. It's only a couple months. Like, I say that. It's only a couple months. But this is her entire life. Now, Harry has dealt with what it's like to lose Hermione. And he crumbled to the floor. He She died in his arms. At least he had closure. He thought she was dead. He thought he had proof she was dead. And he still absolutely you know, gave up on life. And he even said to her before that happened, or after that happened, um, if I die, you need to promise me you're going to live and you're going to try and live because I need to know that you're okay. And you see now a situation where Hermione has to live without him. And it's told in the most... Like, one thing Laurie does very well is... Why? Tell, like, like Laurie is the type of author who kills cute little kids. Yeah. Because it turns me... Like, I, I was a basket case reading some of these. Like, the scene where it's Christmas morning, it's her first Christmas without Harry, oh. and, you know... the you know, Sirius gives her the gift that Harry gave to him to, to hold. Like, like to give you an example, um, my uncle a few years ago had um, heart surgery and he had a stroke, so he couldn't speak anymore and he was debilitated. He had to live the rest of his life. He's still alive. He's in the nursing home. And he, um, he my aunt was very sick. She died a couple of years ago, but he had been caring for her, um, and now she had to go into the nursing home and care for him. And the first year that she went to visit him in the nursing home, um, got there and there was a box on you know on his wheelchair there's a little tray table next to it and there was a box there that said uh to barbara from jim and she opened it and there was a diamond necklace inside and her kids had bought the necklace for the father because he obviously couldn't do anything and and left it you know so the mother wouldn't be without that gift from him because she got something from him every year Mm -hmm. it just reminded me of that it's you know it's here's even though harry is not here he he's he wanted you to have this because i thought what was so believable about hermione's characterization there is she does doubt what if he was gonna like in the beginning i thought what if he was gonna leave me what if he was so disgusted by what i said to him that he misinterpreted the comment about how he doesn't know what it's like to have a mother what if he was so angered by that he left me and she does think that's not Harry yeah and you know what it's so I've been through that it's so hard when someone's not there you never know and there's always that little bit of doubt that maybe every day gets a little bit bigger I thought that was so well reasoned it it really pulls it's heartbreaking in the scene where little Charlie says do you miss Uncle Harry in the scene where she continues to sign all of the gifts from uh, from from Hermione yeah from Aunt Mina and Uncle Harry and it's it's the thing that you do it's in my same motto, I was just talking about, she would always sign cards, you know, from Barbara and Jim years after he was, you know, debilitated and obviously couldn't do anything. But it's what you do. And it, it was just so heartbreaking to have the little girl come over and hug her and say, don't worry, everything's going to be okay. I'm like, <laughs> I know. Like I, like, I felt like Jen during a toilet paper commercial. It was just like, I was, it was debilitating. <laughs> my God. It's like, there's things you don't do. If you kill the little kid, you're going to cry. And it's like, she's going for all the the goal but is it was just so well written and i just i and i love the fact that you know that that laura and and sorry and, and even what they try and do what Ginny tries to do and especially what laura i really Family warmed up to laura yeah what laura tried to do by talking about sex with harry <laughs> 
because he's still here. Well, wait, before you go on, I think my favorite line out of the story is something that Laura says. Um, she says something like, even though everyone's here, she's still going to feel like the loneliest person. Or do you remember? Sorry. I what love that it? line too. Yeah. yeah. I love that line. I was like, oh, right there. She got it. Yeah, we can fix this. We can. I'm sorry. We can make this. We can make her very comfortable, but we can't take away her pain. Yeah. It doesn't matter how many people no. I bring here; she'll still feel alone. Yeah, no. that one. I, oh, yeah, terrible. Yep. In the comments, she says to Ginny too about how she'll never love again. And my first response was, "People say that." And Ginny's response was, "Hermione, people say that you'll be okay. You shouldn't think that way." And her response is, "People fall in love and they fall out of love and they get divorced. But when people fall in love for the last time." They know it, and that's it. And I've fallen in love for the last time. And it's like, okay, she might actually be serious on that. I mean, look at how, look at their, how, I mean, how it would take 20 more years to build up even what they began to have with someone else. You know what I mean? So, I mean, those two boys were everything to her, and she lost both of them. I think there's a certain comfort that comes with time. And I think that's sort of what she means. Like, you don't just fall in love with someone, and you're, you know, totally infatuated for three weeks. Yeah, it's, it's when, <laughs> yeah, it's when you have that absolute comfort level with someone that, you know, like you said before, you're in the shower and they're brushing their teeth. You know yeah. what I mean? And they, yeah. Even though, even though it's platonic, they, you know, they're sleeping in the same bed, but that's just because, you know, Harry's poor because all of his money is tied up in <laughs> Can you imagine, Harry, you know, Hermione, we're going to have to get rid of the second bed, you know, budget cutbacks. <laughs> I can't imagine why people think these things about us. Oh, Armani, we don't have any room in the budget for pajamas. I'm so sorry. Are you mad? Uh, but, oh, God. That's one of those things that seems to be getting funnier every time we talk about it. <laughs> oh, my God. It cracks me up. But, um, yeah, I just thought that was just, like, it was just, I'm sorry. I'm, 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 well, now I'm thinking of the stiffing for Susan B. Anthony. Oh, God. I don't know where we're up to. I have absolutely no idea, but I've got this note here from chapter one of the second story. And as Hermione, I think she's trying to reassure someone that she's fine because they're all concerned for her well-being as they would be. And she says, I appreciate your concern for my mental state, but I assure you I am operating up to factory specs. Yes, I was eavesdropping. My emotional state is, well, a little experience with soul-crushing despair. I'm ill-prepared to describe it, but I am in full possession of my... Faculties. And I'm like, she's data. She's data from Star Trek. <laughs> <laughs> All systems functioning within normal parameters, Captain. It's like, can you imagine Draco being like, okay, dude, I've had problems in my life, but I'm nowhere as bad as you. I'm just backing away. <laughs> I can't remember where this comes from, but they're obviously talking about sex. And Harry has said, if you think I can keep that up for half an hour, then you have a ridiculously inflated opinion of my stamina. <laughs> and all I'm thinking is, Three hours! <laughs> Three hours napped. later. They must have napped. <laughs> but I don't well, know, do. if, if Harry's missing, how how did he say that? I'm confused. I can't even they remember. Having fl- well, they kept having flashbacks, yeah. but then oh, but the, flash- I, there was either a mistake in one of the flashbacks, or I just didn't interpret the scene. There's one of the flash. it's whenever they're in, J- he goes missing in November, and, and um, this, the first scene takes place in late January. And there's uh, a scene where in, in late January she gets called to to work. What is it? The ID? The ID? Yeah, the intelligence division. 
she gets called to the ID by Lupin to say that they found Harry's body. And she goes in, and there's Harry's body, and it's decomposing. But they found... I, I don't remember where they found the body. I don't know. Was it in the elevator? I forget. They found his body. Somewhere they found Harry's body. And she checks the body, and he's missing a single scar. So they're like, it's not Harry. And Lupin does the thing where he grabs his knee and, like, exhales. Thank God that this was, this was a close one. And I was waiting for her to actually check to see if it was someone in Glamour. <laughs> but apparently, I'm like, maybe it's Ron. That would be a good twist but um no what is it would be horrible <laughs> oh god oh cr- oh thank god it's only wrong <laughs> we already thought he was dead i couldn't take this twice in my life <laughs> but um it, it could have been justin just staring at me <laughs> but um <laughs> like oh this is awful but no, no if, if justin was staring at you you, you wouldn't remember that <laughs> What happened? What's up, Jen? I'm sorry. I said, I think Lupin is, like, the most pessimistic person ever. Like, every time Harry dies, Lupin's like, oh, God. And he's like, oh, please. Well, here, and she looks down his pants that this could be him. <laughs> but, uh... One of these days, I'm going to be right. Before we get to Hermione's comment about Harry's penis, which is to die for. Um... <laughs> what? Oh, we find Harry's body, and it's a fake. It's not Harry, which means that someone sent it. It maybe someone sent it because they don't they they have Harry, or maybe someone sent it, but they don't. But you would think after two months of nothing happening, someone trying to fake Harry's death would be a good sign, you know, overwhelmingly because it means that something's happening here. The next day, she goes to dinner with Ginny. 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 I think I'm losing hope. I'm like, what? <laughs> like, I had to check. Did that occur earlier? Because, like, it just, that seemed weird. Like, they have their first major lead. Yeah, I'm going to give up on them. I give up hope. Like, huh? Well, I think even with leads, you know, after so much time, you just start to need to confide in someone about your doubt just so that you can get them out there. I just thought it was an unusual time for her to start giving out hope. You think that would be the time where she would cling to hope but more strongly? I think strongly? when hope arises in a non-hopeful situation, I think one of the first things you do is push it away so that you don't get hurt by it. No, Hermione, though. Hermione seems to channel pissed offness more. Like, you, you even look at the way... No, she channels anger more. She gets so angry at Harry, which is a complete human response. She's pissed at him for leaving her. And she's kissing Napoleon, screaming, you know, look, Harry, I'm kissing him. You better well, come back and stop she's desperate. Me. She's to the point where she's just losing it. And the only thing she has left in her is anger. But I don't know. I, I, and I, I love was... the scene with Napoleon where she kisses oh, yeah. him. And she's like, look who I'm kissing. And he's like, <laughs> he like likes it for a minute. And he's like, well, babe. Then she's like, I really, then he's like, I really, she's like, I really need a shag, and he like puts his arm around her. He's like, hey, no, he, <laughs> he would, and he would. What I like about him is he is not. What's the word when somebody? I mean, he's not like only on the outside. Like he's very, like he seems like this easygoing dude, but he's been through a divorce. He's been through uh, heartbreak, and like he totally gets her, and he understands what she's going through. And he he sympathizes with it. And I think a lot of people take Napoleon as is, and they don't mm-hmm. see that about him. You know what I mean? I think Harry did that in his first judgment, few judgments of him. What I like about Napoleon's character is she gives him so much depth and internal character. But maybe yeah, I'm the I only mean, one. <laughs> no, no, not at all. I mean, the one scene where it was very blatant is when she makes this, the shag comment. He He, like, gives it back to her. Like, like, for example, yesterday morning, I told a coworker of mine, you know, the story about the dead dog on the subway that you heard from the last podcast. <laughs> and 
moment, a few hours later, she was in a car accident, and she had just ended up coming back to work. So I sent her an email saying, "How are you feeling? Do you need anything? It could be worse. You could have hit a dog and killed. <laughs> like, I, I, like I made like, are there, it could have been worse. Someone could have killed your dog and stolen it. <laughs> and oh, yeah, it's like the thing where." I like the fact that there he jokes about it. He's like, you know, if you still want that shag, and she like swats him in the arm, and <laughs> he, he gets it, and you know, he's being a friend to her. And you know what? One of the things I said before is I love the fact that she shows the complexities of the characters. I like the fact that he has a crush on Hermione, and I like the fact that later on <laughs> Harry, Harry returns. And he has to separate them. He even feels a little glad he gets to do that, if even for a few minutes. And I think that's a really interesting comment to make on the character. Yeah. Oh, that's oh. a little beat. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. I'm so excited. How awesome is the scene where Harry comes back? Oh, it is awesome. Lucy, come home! Well, he just, She's in the kitchen with George. Looking. And Hermione is like, George, or am I seeing things? And he's like, I see him too. And see, it's just like, she... I just love his total confusion, and I love her desperateness to clean. And then they take him away, and it's like, can this get any crueler? <laughs> I yeah. love it. Hermione, Hermione gets between them. I'm sorry, I'm going to have to kill you. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to kill you if you don't move. And they all saw what happened to the punching bag, and they all back away. What would have actually been... I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Ryan. No, I'm sorry. The one thing... I thought thought the scene was great where the door slams shut and they're like, who is it? And they walk out and they see him. What would have been so much better, picture them working at the kitchen table and if they're sitting there and they hear the door open and slam shut and you hear Harry yell, I'm home! And they're just like looking at each other like, what? (laughs) Did you just hear what I think you were? And they kind of wander out very slowly because they're like, no, we couldn't have heard but we just... It must have been, you know, Justin and his new boy toy or something. Like, I don't know. (laughs) That, that Hermione is like a ninja taking badass in less than two days. Well, I love the fact that she sucks at it because she like punches Napoleon in the face as far as. Uh, no, she doesn't. Rory describes it as she forgets her training and turns yeah. into like a woman. No, well, later on. No, when they go into the study and um, Napoleon pisses her off, she punches Napoleon and Napoleon doesn't even move. <laughs> I'm like, it's like hitting the Borg. It like doesn't do it. She pushed his face Resistance is futile. No, doesn't they? They say it wasn't like a slap. Like it, they even said it wasn't a slap. She belted him as hard as she could, and he's like, well, "Your weapons difference. are useless." You know, men and women are not equal. <laughs> I mean, as, as far as physicality, strength goes, and no matter how buff and working out a girl can be, Napoleon's a buff working out man, and the, the, he's going to be stronger. So. I don't know. Yeah. Not just any feminists out there. Just science. <laughs> the one other scene I'd love too is when, um, oh, I can't think of who's um, Judy Dench. Oh, Argo. Okay. When Argo's there and they do the thing where everyone hugs Harry goodbye. Argo like walks up, hugs him very briefly, then runs out. <laughs> like that's her year quota of emotion. <laughs> yeah. Argo, cool. Ju- Judy Dench has intimacy issues. <laughs> I just that sounds like a good podcast name to me. Closer to him. Say that again, Jen. I said I just don't understand why they didn't let Hermione closer to him. Like, why couldn't she just hold his hand and like be with him while they drag him off? 
Because they were worried about been. him being a uh, like a an agent or something or so, someone well, sent well, back. It's like when agent. they come back from the moon and NASA has to take them and put them in yeah. case they're contaminated. He could be a bomb. Which is stupid because she's already touched him. She jumped on him. I think they were she's worried like, about She's like, please, them. God, please, God, if you put him in the cell, leave me in there too. It's been a very long eight weeks. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, are we dying? What? Sorry, yawn. <laughs> it's bad. Jen fell Shiny asleep. had to leave and Jen fell asleep in the middle of the podcast. Oh, no. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, what is that, what's the end of Chapter 3? Uh, it ends with Harry being taken away, right? Yeah. I, I mean, like, aren't we done? <laughs> uh, did we leave anything out that we wanted to cover? I'm looking through. Oh, at the end of the chapter, she gives him the, uh, uh, he gives. Oh, yeah, he gives the stuff. They give yeah. the present. Yeah, that's in somebody's notes. Right. Um, Oh yeah, it's um yeah the small trinkets he's robbed from her over the years the journal and she gives her the yeah, journal. I wanted to say that too. It's like picture this wonderful moment, Hermione. Like, let me just say this: it's a beautiful moment where Harry shows that he's been collecting things from Hermione for years before they were. Oh, lovers, that's before, where they were, when they when they were just when you know even like when they were when they were very very younger you know that's the type of thing I need to see. I need to see that even though it was earlier, like third year, fourth year, he still like in this alternate universe he felt much more deeply for Hermione than he may have in the canon, and that's what really helps. And Hermione gives him his missing 60 days back. She gives him, you know, here's my journal for the last two months of everything that's happened, everything I felt. And the only, you know, being me because I'm tired and I'm sarcastic and because I'm just in that mindset, all I can picture when I say that is Harry's like, I've been stealing things from you for years. Here they are. And Hermione, here's my notebook where I say how angry I am. By the way, on page 48, I kiss another guy. And they <laughs> there's, a, there's a movie where where the, the two, oh, it's Maverick, the movie Maverick. Uh, oh, that's Jody Foster. Movie. Yeah, Jodie Foster and Mel Gibson. Uh, they're uh, <laughs> sorry. Uh, they at the, at the end of the movie, at uh, after the big poker game, they've been stealing things from each other the whole movie, so they start yeah. trading them back. That's what that scene reminded me of. He reminds me of Romo Lampkin from Battlestar Galactica. Yes. We're looking at the, he's on his hospital bed dying. He's like, okay, I, I took some things. Here's your father's button, and here's the president's eyeglasses. <laughs> it's like, here, and here's the defense attorney's sandal. She might need that. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> I, I love that he took the president's glasses. That was awesome. <laughs> Rosalind's like walking around like a blind woman. She can't sign any executive orders. It's awful. <laughs> Lambkin was one of the, was a great. No, I like why he did that though. If you look at it, oh, it's he, beautiful. I'm just being a complete sarcastic. Oh, bastard. sure. He's not picking up the emotional. Never had any family history of his own or any mementos of his past, and he wants right. to preserve as much as he could. And I, I actually like look at the things that are in that box: a candle from a birthday cake and a ribbon from a doctorate. And it's really funny because my husband does the same thing because he doesn't have very many mementos of his childhood. And I was making the flower girl dresses for our wedding, and I was trying to make these little fabric roses, and I stuffed a couple of them up. So I, you know, just discarded them. And I find out like a year or so later, he's put them in this memory box that he's collecting stuff. These little things. So yeah, that um, reminded me of that. Yeah, I'm stealing that idea. Like I keep all, (laughs) I keep all these, like anything I think maybe sentimental, I keep. Like when my father was in the, um, a few days before my father passed away, he was in the hospital and he played the same numbers in the lottery every single night. And he gave me a piece of paper with the numbers he wanted played on them, and I put them in my pocket. And he called like the. I think you can play until like 7:52 p.m. I think is the time it closes because the the drawing is at eight. And I remember it was like 7.42. He calls me. He's like, did you have the, the chance to play my numbers yet? I'm like, oh, dead. No, I, I couldn't get anywhere near uh, uh, the, the store to play them. He's like, oh, that's all right. 
I'm just on chemo. It's not like it matters that much to me. I got, and I'm like doing a legal U-turn in the highway and I pull over and I play the damn number. <laughs> nice. So I've always kept like the ticket and stuff like that. And I actually have this box in my room. It's one of those massive Tupperware storage bins. It has every leather Danielle has ever written me. It has every memento in it. So I keep it downstairs. So if there's ever a fire, I'm going to be lugging this freaking chest out of the house. <laughs> like I'm well. like Oh, if I had a dog, the dog would burn alive because I have a safe <laughs> damn chance. I have a dog like that. Don't get it. I think it's important to be sentimental. Sure. Now, I still have my notes from middle school. Will you go out with me? Circle yes, no, or maybe. Oh, <laughs> <my God. laughs> you know, I have. What you, you know, hold on. What did you? What did you circle? Uh, I don't. I don't know. I have to go well, look. Well, obviously, I mean, sometimes it was maybe, and sometimes it was no. Yeah, I have a question. <laughs> Why do you still have the notes? Do you return them with your answer? Well, do you return them with your answer? <laughs> I don't know why I still have them. I really don't know. Maybe I kept them. <laughs> when you said Jen frames the damn thing and never gives it back. <laughs> when you said you had your notes from middle school, I was thinking, what, she kept her, like, you know, the math notes or something? Like, why, why would you keep that stuff? I don't know. I my, just... mom, my mom kept all our schoolwork. I'm not sure why. Oh, God. But we have bookshelves of it. <laughs> I have my schoolwork. I still have I still have my books from college and stuff. I sold my books from college. Honey. Well, well, no, I'm not like talking about books. I'm talking about like Circle the Butterfly and my algebra. <laughs> yeah, important stuff. I don't. <laughs> well, I did not do that. No. I didn't say I did it. My mom did. It. Okay. But my mom also made us Shannon and I these albums of like all of our. Um, what do you call it? success awards type? You know, so we have stuff from kindergarten, like our number one reader in the class, or like my GT scores, and like you know, those little awards you win as a kid. I was on Whiz Quiz and all that yeah. stuff. I know it's really sweet. It's very adorable. It's important. I keep all that stuff too. You should. It's a huge, huge, massive like cabinet wall unit thing that's just full of photos and certificates and boxes with fabric rosettes in them. <laughs> You're seriously going to see me in the news if my house ever catches on fire. Like, think, like I need to put this thing on wheels. I'm like, I'm not leaving without it. <laughs> I used to have a box. I used to have an old cigar box that had the dried flower of every funeral that I had I used to collect the the little programs from funerals. Yeah, I mean, yeah. How did we get on this talk? Because <laughs> that's because that's what Harry was oh, doing. Harry, Kron like, collects funeral programs. I'm like, okay, we're gonna turn. <laughs> we've gone a little, made a, we made a, a left turn at Albuquerque there. Like, yeah. Where the hell did we? How the hell mass transits is? Where the hell did we? Tra- okay. Yeah, but I just want to say the one thing. Okay, I started off the podcast saying, originally I said I was having a lot of difficulty with the Harry Hermione effect. Now, I've thought about it for the last two hours. And I think that this story tells us that, you know, was it Harry, Hermione's third year or whatever, one of her birthday parties? One of Hermione's birthday parties, Harry kept the candles. I'm assuming that was when they were younger, maybe, at Hogwarts. Oh, it's a, a candle from the cake she made him on his 23rd birthday. Is it 23rd? Wasn't there something As 13th, too? Betty from the graduation ceremony. Number from the... I don't think there's anything from Hogwarts. There's um, um number from the first dance contest they entered as a couple, which is 23. 
A candle from the cake that you made me on my 23rd birthday. Ooh, is there something with 23? Um, confetti from my graduation ceremony. The ribbon from her doctoral diploma. But that says to me that he's got other stuff. Like, that's the stuff nearer the top. Yeah, and he's probably stuff. Yeah, I mean. He says he could go on, but we'd be here all night. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's. I think it's. I, I just think that shows a lot, and I think it, I can buy into the fact. I it's very easy for me to buy, buy in that they have just an intense friendship. But beyond that, I think that so much has changed. Literally, from the time they were thirteen to the time they were twenty-six, you know, they've spent all those years, fifteen years together, and I can buy into the fact that things have progressed to a huge degree. So I think. And you know what? I really feel for the characters, even though sometimes the writing might be need a little bit more of a polish. I really feel for the characters because of just those little moments that get added in. You know, Hermione wondering whether she could have hated Harry if she had seen Ron that day. You know, Harry, you know, not wanting Hermione, Harry, you know, keeping Hermione away because of that fear. You know, the characters facing their fears and facing their their flaws. I think it makes them more like real people, and I believe in them more. So I have a much better reaction to the whole story itself. So I, I'm, I'm loving it. I can't wait to read more. It's angsty. I can't put it. I read. There's a lot it? of angst in this in this, in this middle <laughs> fic. I read like the words. Like, I had my laptop on my lap, and I didn't even go on Pothwai. Which is so, so proud. I feel much like angst. Well, I was having difficulty with the reading too. Single tear. Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've well, Harry, proto tear. Harry has a bunch of Asian slaves in his property, <laughs> apparently, who are like knowing, so I'm not sure what's going to That was very confusing. And out of character, too. I, I, yeah, very out of character for Harry. He doesn't, he's usually he very progressive thinking. He saves the world from Voldemort, but he's a slave owner. <laughs> he does own uh, house elves sometimes, you know. He was raised by elves. <laughs> <laughs> and he graduated 10,000 years ago. <laughs> I even is old. Was that before <laughs> or after a uh, uh, Yellowstone exploded? No, it was six hundred and forty oh, million. Sorry, years. my bad. No, it but, was longer ago. Sorry. I even called Janet that scene. I'm like, what the hell's up with the ten thousand years and the elves? She's like, I don't know. I was wondering about the elves myself. Well, I'm going again in September, and I'm going to do a video blog of my travels. So hopefully, nothing, no explosions will happen while I go. <laughs> That will not be good. All right, so favorite moment from these chapters as we wrap up. I think my favorite moment had to be... There's two or three. I've got two or three. Oh, God. If I, ha- if I have to pick one, it would be Christmas morning because it's just so incredibly angsty. And it's one. Of the- it's like a train wreck. I'm, like, so uncomfortable reading it, but I can't stop doing it. I have two. It's the moment where Harry sees my eye. Yeah. And mm. the... Um, the moment where Harry comes back through the front door. Yeah. Okay. I just want to change one thing real fast on mine. I said it was like a train wreck. It, it's uncomfortable, and you and you know you have to get through it. I'd compare it probably more to like a prostate exam. <laughs> I can't uh, relate to that. I wouldn't know. Jen's like, I have prostate cancer. <laughs> well, first, I'm dialoguing. Wait, do I have a prostate? Should I say that comment? Jen, Jen, okay. Jen confuses her prostate in her colon. She just didn't think she had a colon. No, well, I'm relating it to another. I didn't know I had a colon. <laughs> I can relate it to another Pregnancy, perhaps? Well, there's another one, too. There are examinations during pregnancy that you just kind of lay there and go get it over with. Please. <laughs> 
<laughs> yeah. Can I just uh, say, I have to say this real fast? In yeah, Massachusetts, no, no more details, please, Chesa. In Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, they have a commercial, and it's a doctor saying, "You think proctology exams?" <laughs> and the guy straps his glove on and puts one finger up in the air and says, "Think about your doctor too. It's not so great on our end." <laughs> Get your prostate checked regularly. Yes. This is a public service announcement. Yes. I'm like holding uh, my butt closed watching this. Like you, know, like, you know when you see, like, on TV, if you see someone getting choked, you, you reflexively grab your own throat. Or if you see someone in the crotch, you, like, defend your your, your friend. Uh, it's like, for me, I was, like, holding my butt, like, walking out of the room. I was so uncomfortable. Oh, my okay, God. Wait, I want to know what their favorite Me too. Is. I'm sorry. I turned it all into butts. I'm sorry. <laughs> Uh, Kezi, you want to go next? Are we talking about all the chapters we, or just the ones from the third story, second story? Uh, Either uh, one. Second podcast. Yeah, well, yeah, anything. Because um, I really liked the, well, in the same train wrecky proctology exam kind of way, when Allegra kills the fake Hermione, I was just glued to my laptop. And yeah, like, normally when I do stuff, I'm flicking back and forth, you know, this window, that window, I'll read a paragraph of a fic. And this one, I am just reading it and reading it and, like, all the anguish that was in that section and, you know, finishing up with, oh, it was a Draco, she slept with Draco. It was just us. I got a physical reaction from those scenes where, you know, Harry's um, curled in on himself with grief, and he has to watch her be killed, and 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 all that stuff. So that was my favorite part. Can I just ask you a question real fast before we go to Aaron? Um, you started reading this as a not. You were a Harry Ginny, you know, Harry Rabbit. Ginny forever. Yeah, she has the bumper sticker on her little Australian car. Um, <laughs> was there a particular scene that threw it? Like you're like, oh my god, I'm a Harmonian. I need to register. Like, was there like a moment? Like, what was it that really sold you on this? Like the thick oh. and possibly the. I, I don't think – well, see, what was happening was because I was editing the last episode and I was like, you guys are having so much fun. I'm like, I must read this fic. It sounds fantastic. <laughs> and Jen's going, you know, if you like romance and you like mystery. And I think that it's not the ship angle that like I've sort of – part of me glosses over that. I'm kind of like I, – I put it in that category like this what could happen, Harry and Hermione might get together. And, and I've got in the back of my mind, this was before we knew that Ginny was his soulmate. So it's almost like this forgiving air that I have towards the author because she didn't know, you know, that I, and, and as long as I can turn back the clock, turn off everything that happened from Goblet of Fire onwards. And because the author has put in so many things that make it believable, like that Harry has kept all those things um, and that because Ron's gone and they've built up this friendship and this bond that they have. I think so. It's partly because it's, it's so believable like, that this could happen and, and the, the characters are um, just – I found the characters believable in an AU sense and it gets carried along with – because it's got all these great mysteries and things. Well yeah. said. Thing. I, I couldn't tell if anyone was still there because I'm like, am I still here? So like, I'm just like, I was waiting for a response. I don't know. You we were awed by the awesomeness of your answer. <laughs> very much so. But, very much so. But yeah, and, and so it's the storyline and the plot that holds my interest quite a lot. Yeah. Plus, and I really love Emery Charm Justin. He's so cool. <laughs> I have no idea what's going to come. Someone implied something to me tonight when I went, oh. But other than that, like, I just have to feel like Harry, strong memory charm, missing for two months, you know, 
the roommate, memory charm expert. Mm. Mm. But we shall see. Could be evil. Who knows? Could, could be evil. My favorite part, at the risk of being unoriginal, the the moment when Her- Hermione, the fake Hermione, is killed, is she writes the anguish so exquisitely. You can feel it in your gut when Harry when he sees that happen, and the first time you read it, especially, you don't know that it's the fa- that it's a fake Hermione. You you haven't had the scene that comes right after where you have Hermione and Quinn still running around, so you don't know that it, you think that that could be that's Hermione. That she has just died, and you you don't know that uh, you know Ron's already died in the in the fic, so surely Hermione could die too. You know that she won't pull that punch. It'd be a very depressing fic if she did. I mean, yeah, there's got to be a way around it. Well, I had this. Um, this is when I started thinking Ron was going to come back, and I start putting in my notes. Oh, maybe that's Ron. Oh, maybe you know. And I even say Ron's under a glamour. Maybe the dead Ron was glamoured when they find that fake Hermione. But this is the point because I thought that Hermione was dead, but that she was going to bring her back somehow. And then that meant that she could bring Ron back somehow. So that's when I started going, oh, they're going to, you know, that's what I said. Well, yeah. especially the time trial, he goes back in time an hour and saves Hermione from being stabbed. Well, yeah, there's, there's all sorts yeah. of elements of this fic that could result in her being brought back. Like, for example, the changeover. If it was done via magic, he could do the changeover on Allegra. And, but it wasn't done during magic, obviously. But, um, and the time travel magic, of course, also. But uh, I think Ron is master and he's, he's pissed that they had sex at the site of his murder. I won't say anything <laughs> about that. <laughs> Why is she oh, laughing at me? Like <laughs> I'll read tonight. I will read. Tonight. Read. I will read. I had one last thing to say. That I forgot to say earlier. Uh, the scene next week. Will you all just tell me? Will you be like, "Thank you, God"? Here's what we were talking. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't. You don't I understand how hard it is. <laughs> Would you like me to leave? No, I may have to edit this. Here. No. What were you saying? The scene where they're about to do the changeover on Harry and you've got everybody kind of getting together and it's like the climactic scene. It reminds me a lot of the uh, the skiff battle from Return of the Jedi, how you've got, you know, Leia and and, and Lando and everybody comes together and, and, you know, some of them are, you know, undercover and whatnot. It, it, I, was, I had the music, like, going through my head when I was listening to that anyway, watching or reading that. I was just, <laughs> never mind. <laughs> I love that one. I, I don't know. I don't ever get music that goes through my head, but if I'm listening to something, I can relate when I'm reading music. It's unique. You know what music I had in my head during this? What, Star Trek? Cron- no, Cronk, you want to do it with me? <laughs> uh, do you want to be Justin or George? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Turn I don't even know that song. Every now and then I get a little bit closer to Turn around Every now and then I get a little bit lonely And you're never coming around Turn around Every now and then I get a little bit tired Of listening to the sound of my tears Turn around uh, something, something. I don't remember the rest of the words <laughs> Turn around It's the only line I know in the world. <laughs> It sounds so dirty Jen's like, that sounds dirty. Why do you want me to turn around? Yeah. is looking at me as if I've lost my brain. I feel like this is so wrong. <laughs> that usually means it's going to be a great episode. I don't think that George is gay. 
Uh, it could be they used to go it off together. They do not. They do not state of sexual preference for George in this uh, this fic, as far as I can tell. Yes, they no, actually do. I don't, he does do they? Girls, so they make it clear that which orientation he is a couple of chapters and later. Okay. Well, because no, no. Um, someone asks. Someone asks. I guess I wasn't paying attention. Oh well. I think it's oh spoiler. Who asked? <laughs> <laughs> Someone asks, and they clarify George's position in relation to Justin. All right, is this two chapters from now? I don't know when. If it's two chapters from now, I'm going to go and read it now, because I have to know what the hell you people are talking about. Because it's like... <laughs> I don't think I don't you'll think... know in two. I think you'll know in about... Uh, because 12. someone else comes along. Maybe it's Napoleon. I don't know. Someone else comes along and questions, are George and Justin, you know, getting it on, and they... and Does someone Justin ever hit on Napoleon? Uh, I think so. No, there's a conversation, and Napoleon says that he's straight. I've hit on the. I, don't, I can't too. remember. I can't remember who inquires about George and Justin, but there is someone there at, staying at Ballycroft at some point that asks, "Are they an item?" And we find out George's orientation. I just think it's so interesting that Laurie created Napoleon before we knew about Tonk. Yeah. Well, we see that through so many stories. How many stories do we see? We just read Living with Danger where Narcissa Malfoy sacrifices yeah. herself to save her son, and then Deathly Hallows comes around and she sacrifices herself. I mean, we see that every once in a while they get it right. But, um, well, the thing is, a... it, it doesn't matter if George and, and Justin get found out. They'll just memory charm them and they'll forget. <laughs> the Maybe, it's not true. Maybe they are getting it on. And every time someone finds out, they're just memory charms. <laughs> or maybe they have sig- gotten it on. Significant glare. Perhaps they did, and, and uh, George didn't like it, so, mean, he, so he, gave, he gave Justin the glare. For a living. Uh, <laughs> <sighs> oh god on that note i think we're done we're oh no back next week for seven more chapters oh glory I, I i don't know what to say anymore the fact that jen feels dirty means that we have successfully gotten <laughs> another one in the in the hoop without hitting that so i think we're, was, that's basketball the one with the hoop okay uh with that we'll see y'all back next week have a good night everybody good night Bye. So hold on to the wonder that those books brought to our lives. Keep each other safe. Keep faith. Good night. So my son calls his dad Voldemort and Slytherin. And he's Harry Potter. Um, last night, he goes up, he's got his new costume, and he's, I'm not allowed to call him his name anymore. He says, no, I'm Harry Potter. And <laughs> so he goes up to his dad last night, waving his little plastic wand, and he's like, Voldemort, Expelliarmus. <laughs> and, and my husband picks him up and gives him a cuddle and says, no, you need to cuddle me. <laughs> and my son says, no, you can't cuddle Voldemort doesn't cuddle Harry Potter. <laughs> Welcome back to Beyond Cast. This is Mike. I'm Gen 2. I'm Keza. And I'm P.S. Bringing up the rear. And we're doing Veiled by Green Gecko. <laughs> so about the title of this fic. Which is what I wish to speak on. You can't just go around ignoring the title because the title is what gives you your first glimpse into what the fic is about. Analyze this title for us. When I started writing my fic, I didn't just name it the name that I named it. You know, I didn't just pull it out of my hat. 
Well, I I kind of did with, <laughs> with my one that I'm currently writing. I did not know what to call it. <laughs> so I kind of did pull it out of a hat in a way, but I think it does actually fit. But I know that I name the chapters very carefully um, to give a clue. But about what's in the chapter. Yeah, I, but I named it, or I just kind of, my title was really easy to come up with, but then again, it's kind of self-explanatory. Kind of like canon, actually, you know, like if the title is a thing. But when you think about it from a from a standpoint of fiction or or from a marketing standpoint of books or from an editorial standpoint, the title is the first thing that people see. They're either going to make an assumption or an impression of the work right away based upon the title. They're going to like it and they're going to choose to read it based upon the title or they're not going to read it. It's it's an impression right away. Yeah, I I once wrote a review uh, to a to a fic that I said, "Look, I skipped your story for for a couple of weeks now because I just found the title really icky, and it, it started a whole debate about whether or not this guy should rename his fic." And I ended up as a beta reader for it, and all I was saying was, "I just didn't like the title." So actually, I think the title is really important. I, I did read it in the end, and now I, I you know I beta it but <laughs> it's amazing like how important it can be it can make or break whether or not someone even clicks it open so the title of this fic is veiled and I think that's actually really important because uh, a lot of the theme through throughout it, it, it is about veils and how things are veiled in our lives and how we can get through the veils and the things that cover up parts of our lives. You know, we veil off parts of our lives from other people. We hide behind them. You know, there's the whole theme of going through the veil, you know. Well, and then also the veil the veil, the veil in this fic, it was also the veil between heaven and hell for Snape. Yeah. Did you guys all like the I, I get the sense you all liked it then, from how you yeah. found yeah. yeah. You know, but veiled, this was a very important title for this fic. But for once, Mike, well, not for once. You, you have picked other fic. <laughs> for once? Every fic I've picked has been superior. It's been what? Superior. You're superior. Superior. Um, oh, yeah, he picked mine. He picked mine. <laughs> and, the, and I think Maya is a genius. I, I know you all don't like her for some reason, but I just disagree. Anyway, what I am saying is that you chose a good story. I I like the symbolism of the story. I like the content of the story. I like the way the story moves. And I like the way the story ends. And I also like that it was about Snape. It was post-DH. I didn't like the way Snape was handled in Deathly Hollows. I didn't get enough resolution with Snape in Deathly Hollows. So I liked this fic. A lot of his interaction I like the other characters that he meets during the course of the story. Like I really I really loved his interaction with Albus in the story. I like the interaction with Sirius. Oh, I, oh, I like how Sirius comes through and says, oh, I fell through the vow, so I get to be a messenger. And uh, um, Dumbledore wants to see you. <laughs> I thought that was cool. I like how Sirius goes around hugging everyone. That's his job. Yeah, I love that part. <laughs> and he's like, do not send him to me. And he's like, oh, yeah, I would never do that, but thanks for the reminder. <laughs> I thought it actually took him an uncommonly long time to get to Lily. Not not that it was a, a bad decision by the author. I'm, I just mean I thought that he would have done it sooner, but it makes sense that 
uh, I don't know. I, I got the impression how I, I read it was that he was sort of a, a little bit afraid. Yeah, I was pretty amazed that um, the author started out right away by pointing out how desolate he was. That he didn't even care when Alba showed up to even put on robes. That yeah. he didn't even care that he was dead. That he didn't even he didn't even have the energy. He didn't care that he was naked to clothe himself. That he was in such despair that showed in what an awful place that he was in. Do you don't even, think that's accurate? Do you think that he he would felt he would have felt that way about death at the, the point that he died? Well, I don't think he had, he, he wasn't really living for much really in the books besides from setting setting was, a battle. I think it's fair accurate because. I think he was living to defeat Voldemort. That was the only existence that he had left. And he was killed by Voldemort and he had no idea whether or not his sacrifice and everything he'd just gone through was going to be worth it because he had just died and he didn't know whether or not Harry was going to defeat him. He didn't even know whether what he had just given Harry was going to get through. You know, if mm. everything everything he'd worked for, if Harry would even get it. But he doesn't seem to want to know what's going on in the world. Like, I mean, he doesn't, you know, ask if really if Harry like figured it out or if if they won or anything. And so I kind of I kind of think that he was living to defeat Voldemort. Then I think he would be more wanting to know what had happened, but he doesn't seem to care. I think that that maybe mm-hmm. is just just part of his depression. I think that he just is so low at that point that it's he's just given it all up. Yeah, I mean, Dumbledore assumes he's going to care, I think, and Dumbledore knows Snape best. I think in normal circumstances, Snape would probably care a great deal about that. But I also thought, it seems to me, and I never picked this up reading the book, that it wasn't his, it wasn't his intention in this fic to give Harry all of those memories that was kind of, he meant to give him the one memory. It was the message from Dumbledore and everything else was just kind of an accident that slopped over. I think it could also have been that he thought Harry was going to die because that was the, that's the message that he had to give Harry was you have to die because when Harry is in the pensive and he's going through it all and he comes out of it going, Oh my goodness, I have to die because Mm -hmm. Dumbledore had been telling Snape that and saying, you have to tell him right at the very end that this is what he has to do. So I think that Snape actually believed it because he was surprised when Dumbledore says, oh, Harry had a choice. He could go back and he chose to go back. (laughs) What I meant by that is, I mean, obviously he intended to give the memory that was the message of um, Harry being, you know, Harry having to die. I meant um, all the other stuff we read in the chapter that has nothing to do directly with Harry. No, I think Snape meant to give him those so that he would understand. I don't think Snape cared at all about Harry, but Harry thought he was. I mean, he he wanted to show that to show Harry that he was trustworthy, like by showing these him these memories that he was like a friend with his mother and all that to show that when he's saying that he, because I mean, what would you do if a Death Eater gives you this memory of him talking to Dumbledore saying that you're supposed to die? I mean, like that's kind of fishy. So I think he needed to prove that he was on the side of Harry before. Harry believed what the other memories said. I can buy what P.S. is saying, but I, I don't know. It seems so. I don't think Snape ever really cared what Harry thought of him. He may not have cared what Harry thought of him, but he 
Snape cared about Lily, and because he cared about Lily, Harry was Lily's son, and Lily loved Harry and died for him. Snape had feelings for Harry. They may not have been good feelings, but he had some sort of residual feelings about Harry. So you think it's more... Hmm. I guess I always interpret it as being kind of... It wasn't love. It wasn't really. It, it wasn't. Re- it wasn't really like. But because he was part of Lily, and because Snape loved Lily, therefore Snape had a tiny little sliver of something in his heart of caring for Harry. Otherwise, he would not have protected Harry that whole time. That's what he spent the rest of his life doing: was protecting Harry Potter. For Lily, though, not for for Harry. So I guess what I think, but I, like I think for I think he I always said he associated Harry that he was constantly trying to measure Harry to Lily and and like pulling out the James stuff in Harry, like and and sort of underlining how Harry was James and not Lily, while at the same time feeling he has to protect Harry for Lily, even if he doesn't ha- like Harry as a person. Well, sure. Well, I think there's a couple of sides to that. I think you're right in a lot of ways, but to me that would make Snape want to give him those memories to explain why that's what he... Because sometimes you can't help stuff like that in a way. And I I would want to explain why I behaved the way I did because of the the influences that, that that, that it had. And I also think another point, you can't spend six years with a kid, um, and not feel something for them other than dislike. You, you, you get When you get to know people, especially children, they have this way of just like... They weasel their way into your heart. Yeah, they weasel their way in because... And, and he met Harry as a child when he was 11, and in, in that thing like Dumbledore says, you know, he's in, um, what did he call him, an engaging child. And almost see Snape grudgingly agree, and he, he deflects that all the time by saying, "Oh, he's like his father; he's arrogant." But to me, that always seemed like a bit more of a, a defense mechanism. I'm not going to like this child because he's James Potter's son. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. I'm not going to. But he loved Lily, and there's no way that he could have entirely hated Harry because he loved his mother. Yes, and honestly, Harry did. He really did, even though it was luck and it maybe really wasn't skill. Harry really did some pretty amazing things that were way beyond his age. And he lived through things that, you know, no other adult wizard or witch had ever done or even thought of. And even though Snape made fun of him and grilled him about it, I think that that was his way of almost respecting him for it. And I think he also had to put on an act, a part of it. And another thing is Snape may not have known it or he may have suspected it based upon the way Harry chased chased him after Dumbledore's death. I suspect that, well, Snape knew that Harry was there when Dumbledore died. So he knew or he knew that Harry thought that he killed Dumbledore out of And he needed to be. He needed he needed some way to counteract that. He needed to prove to him, he needed to prove to Harry that he needed to give him those memories as a way to prove to Harry that everything was not what it seemed. 
I was surprised when <laughs> Alastor Moody showed up. He was all pleasant. He's like, oh, Snake, how are you? I thought they were going to sit down and have tea and have some curlers or something. That, I don't actually, know. I, I found that quite believable. I was surprised at first because I thought he'd want to see Lily. But I found it quite believable because, you know, Moody's been there a while and he and Dumbledore have probably had quite a few long chats about everything. I never got the sense that Moody did anything but respect Snape. I mean, they worked together, certainly, probably for... I mean, Moody knew he's a spy, so they probably he probably worked together with them for, like, the whole First War. I do think there's an assumption that he spied for a, a lot of the First War and how people... You know, like, like, people always ask, like, why does Dumbledore trust him so much? I think there's this assumption that a lot of people had that he was the Order spy for most of the First War. I think, you know, after the the prophecy was done and Snape went to Dumbledore and Dumbledore said, okay, you got a chance to help protect Lily. I don't think the rest of the Order knew. No, I don't I guess, think they did. Because and Sirius did not behave like they knew. I, I mean, I don't think anyone knew, but I guess what I was getting at is kind of, I mean, you think... Like, the whole theme, I guess, of the first books is why did Dumbledore forgive Snape? Why Why does Dumbledore always kind of blindly side by Snape? And I think... And I, I'm, that's not I think the whole of, thing. You know what? I, that I, never I, occurred to me. Well, I don't know. It occurred to me, and I think it occurred... I think and a lot of readers assumed, before we knew the whole backstory, that he was a spy for the first war. And I'm guessing... And I, think I a lot never of did. I never thought that. I just thought he was a particularly nasty teacher who was just a pain in the neck. Well, I, I, that, I never I was, thought anything until Order of the Phoenix when he was in the Order. And then I was like, wow, well, how did he get in the Order? Gee, he's nasty. And you know that he's a Death Eater. Well, I mean, maybe it was just me because I always assumed that there had to be more to the story than that. So I, I kind of was thinking he was a spy from the point of book four on, I thought he was a spy in the first war. And obviously I was wrong, but... It says that he's a spy because I do believe, and I can get the book right now and look it up, you know what I must ask you to do if you are ready, if you are prepared. Then it, so he doesn't say do that thing again, he just says do that thing. So he wasn't a spy in the first war. A lot of people, like myself, didn't actually think anything at all of Snape until Half-Blood Prince. Really? Like, it did not occur to me to wonder whether or not he was a spy, wonder about his motives, wonder anything. He was just an unpleasant teacher, another character in the book. It wasn't until Half-Blood Prince that I thought, huh, Snape's someone interesting. I think maybe so, I started, th- I'm, it might have been Order of the Phoenix when I started considering him. I think it was Goblet of Fire for me. Yeah, at least Goblet of Fire for me, yeah. And I think that, in a way, that's what... Um, J.K. Rowling actually wanted, at least from the first few books anyway, because he, he is supposed to be the embodiment of every horrible teacher that you've ever had. Just the way Pansy Parkinson is not a garden gnome, but the embodiment of all the nasty girls. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. She's every hoe that you've ever had to go to class with. She yeah. is. Yeah. Okay, so I have another question. Go for it. Okay, when he goes when he goes into the veil, Snape is initially confused because when he first meets Albus, um, Albus mentions his injury, and he reaches up and obviously he's healed of the injury from the snake, but he's not healed on his chest. But I don't understand the injury on his chest because I, then later later on he talks about. The, getting the injury 
when he kills Dumbledore. So is I, that like a mirror a mirror injury to me I I didn't think about it being a mirror injury. I was thinking of it as being metaphorical of his heart because yeah. then Dumbledore has that line right after that about I don't remember it exactly. It's something like not all injury or like sometimes the worst injuries aren't physical or something, something along those lines anyway, whatever the exact wording is. So I, I assumed it was when they said his chest, it really meant over his heart because having to kill Dumbledore was more damaging to him personally than anything else he had to do or, or was done to him. You know what I'm surprised about? I'm surprised he didn't look to see if he still had the dark mark. That's always portrayed in fanfics as being the thing that weighs on Snape's mind. Like, if there's ever in a fanfic a reason why Snape might not have it, like if he, like, is in some other body or something, he always, like, relishes that he doesn't have it anymore. So I'm surprised that this author didn't... I mean, not saying it's right or wrong, because it's, like, it's, it's like an interpretation that a lot of authors use, but I'm surprised this author didn't do it. I didn't think about the dark mark. You're right. Yeah, that's that's interesting. I do think that's the answer for the wound on his chest. I could be, it could be a mirror thing. So I didn't think of the mirror thing, but I was interpreting it as an emotional scarring that shows up there. Yeah. I guess I didn't think about it that way because it was something that they agreed to, you know, because I never thought about, I never thought about it as, you know, I mean, he did it because Dumbledore wanted him to not because he actually murdered him. You still this. need to have a feeling of hate to perform an unforgivable. So he still, even if it was just a little bit, I mean, he still had to have had some ill feeling to use that spell. True. Not yeah. that you have to agree with it, but what I've seen a lot within the Snape fandom is that, first off, the ill will and kind of an ironic thing is often anger at Dumbledore for having to kill him. But also, you usually see that Snape's portrayed as really, really, really not wanting to, and that's like all those the fights with Dumbledore in book uh, six and that stuff, that it's like you know the, the biggest decision he ever has to make, and you see that a lot in Snape fan fiction. I think that this is like his ultimate decision and crisis kind of thing, internal See, crisis. I always thought the hate that Snape would have called on would have been the way that um, Dumbledore had basically forced him to watch out for Harry. Dumbledore and manipulated his life. I mean, isn't Dumbledore supposed to be this great manipulator? Something I also dislike, but you know what I mean? I always thought it was more that, that Dumbledore has now controlled his life for the last 17 years. I'd find that a little bit resentful. Yeah. Yeah. So I always thought it was that hate. I just, I think, well, like I said before, I thought it was interesting that it takes him so long to see Lily. Um... And I like, you know, James is, um, I think, fairly in character from what we know of him. Pretty, pretty, um, oh, yeah, that sounds like my son, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Have um, you brainwashed Harry? Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, Harry rather idolizes Severus. <laughs> actually, that line actually um, it made, me, made me laugh when I read it. You know, it's just like, oh, he named him for his other favorite former headmaster. And James is like, what? <laughs> and, and I can sort of see McGonagall sitting there with this really smug smile on her face, you know, when she, watching, watching what happens because she at that point has the power <laughs> because she's got the information that she's bringing and she can watch. Watch what happens on these, you know, these faces. And I think that's actually quite funny. 
And then, and then, yeah, James, you bewitched my son. <laughs> and I just think that's quite in character. So, I thought it was yeah. interesting to see his reaction to that, to finding Snape's out rea- that he, yeah, it's Snape's reaction to finding out that Harry had named Albus after him. He stares at her, turns to Dumbledore. Dumbledore knew, and Dumbledore didn't tell him. And um, I don't know why. Why? That's odd. Um, but I, like he, he held his ground, even though old instincts tugged at him to retreat. Because James is like, oh, I think that's interesting. Because I think, you know, when he first gets there, he doesn't really even care, and now he's actually trying to overcome himself. You know how you try and make yourself better, and that's. Mm-hmm. That's where Snape's moved to. This year later, he's willing to to become a different person than he was. And you know what yeah. I like about it? I like about how it's sort of indicating that where you are in the afterlife is more of a state of mind than a place, because that's what I think it is. Rather than you know, here is a big pearly gate, or here are the gates of hell, and you shall go there. And it's more a state of mind of how you're feeling. Does that make sense? Yes. Like if you're in hell, it's of your own making because of of. Do you know what I mean? That's how I think of it. So I think you can, in some ways, change where you are the way Snape does in this fic, because it. No, it's like his his mind sort of heals. He he heals relationships and everything, and he has changed where he is. He came close to ending up in hell, but you know, I don't know. I think that that's that's cool. <laughs> yeah. Uh, final thought. Let me see. I, I I I can I find the interactions Snape has with the people realistic, like. Uh, if for some bizarre reason they they you know they were all still alive at the end of the war, these are the sort of interactions I can imagine. Like I really I like his relationship with Dumbledore a lot. I like his reaction to seeing Minerva a lot. You know, it's, it's very sort of like this kind of. I always get the sense he was kind of fond of Minerva without ever admitting it. So I'm glad that was in there. So I thought the characterization was spot on. That's what I like the best about this fic. Yeah, I, I like all the characters that he talks to. I think I said that before, but that that was, yeah, but that was really by far the highlight of the fic for me was his interactions with Albus and with Minerva and with Sirius. Yes. Dan, <laughs> you have any final thoughts? Pardon? I don't you have, have any? any more final thoughts. I gave him my final thoughts when I said, you know, hell is a place I, in your mind. I agree. I like, I liked all of the fic for all of those reasons. It was a and good all the fic. other reasons. Way to go, Mike. Good pick. Thank you. Thank you. Good night. Good night. So long. Farewell. I'll be there saying good night. You always sing that. Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? Can you hear me now? (laughs) What did you say? Did you just pull a raspberry into the phone? I did.